Are you kidding me? Cheating, Pastor? I have no choice. <laughs> I have no choice. <laughs> we need to teach you the grave on the curve. So what what you say? What was he doing teaching? He's over here cheating. Cheating? Yes, look at all the <laughs> notes he got. These are my notes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's going on, everybody? We're live. This is The Locker Room with Shep. Um, I am your host, um, Paris Shepard, Shep, a.k.a. Um, I have uh, three special guests here with me today. Um, we have, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Um, but be- before I before we get into that, I just want to say thank you to all the viewers out there. You can catch this on Facebook Live. You can catch this on SoundCloud. You can catch this on um, Apple Pod as well um, for your audio only. Um, if you want video, you can catch it on YouTube and then, of course, on Facebook Live on my page and then any page that it is shared on. Um, three special guests again. Um, all three of these guests are authors, um, pastors, doctors in, in many different forms, uh, public speakers as well. Um, and I want to go ahead and let them introduce themselves uh, before we jump into the show. So without further ado. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Yerita Taylor, author of His Strength in My Weakness, A Journey of Brokenness, Breakthrough, and Transformation. Thank you guys for allowing me into the space of your home. I'm so excited to be sharing the story of my book with you today. My book can be found on Amazon as well as HisStrengthTheBook.com and also on TheRipeAwakening.com. Please pick up a copy. It will be sure to enlighten you. It chronicles my story as I left the, my humble beginnings in Antigua and moved to the United States, the struggles that I went through. But my book tells its best where it shows where once I succumbed to God's purpose for my life, how it changed me. So hence the title, His Strength in My Weakness. And I hope that it could help readers out there. Like I said, please pick up a copy. It's $14.99. I just reduced the price a bit so that everyone could pick up a copy and be enlightened by it. So uh, without further ado, Ms. Bridget, go ahead. Okay. Good evening, everyone. My name is Bridget Samuel Charles, and um, I'll just give you a little bit of a background of, of, about myself. I was born and raised on the beautiful island of Antigua in the Caribbean, and I emigrated to the United States and devoted most of my life to being an educator. I would honestly describe myself as a lifelong educator, um, mostly in the middle school grades. But However, I have taught all the way from uh, first grade through college. Um, I'm also a lay minister in the United Methodist Church. I've written a children's book titled Grandma's Kisses, and um, I've also written several plays, including The Urgency of Now and Complications. My newest work is a novel titled No Regrets. Uh, it's, I'm really excited about this book because it is roughly based on the life of a remarkable woman, the matriarch of my family, my mother. And I really and truly believe that um, in telling my mother's story uh, and in fictionalizing it, uh, many people can, can gain from it. I have, I've 
gotten nothing but good reviews so far. Uh, and I'm hoping that uh, when you pick up my book and read it, you will also, you know, be excited and, and, and will learn something from it. It also tells about struggles and how she deals with struggles in her life. Um, my book, No Regrets, can be uh, purchased on Amazon.com as well as Barnes & Noble. And very shortly, my website will be up and, and running, and I will be giving you, uh, you, you'll get further information about that. But if you visit the Ripe Awakening page, you can get additional information. I thank you for listening, and now I'm going to pass the ball to Pastor Delican. Good evening, everyone. Thank you, Minister Charles. Thank you, Dr. Taylor. Thank You're you, Brother welcome. Shep, for just hosting us. Thank you for being such a gracious host. So it's good to be part of the conversation. My, uh, my work has to do with the arts of Joseph. It is, a, it is a depiction, it is an exploration of the life of one of the great patriarchs of Israel. Uh, that is Joseph, the dreamer, the brother with many colors, the wonderful visionary, the wonderful brother that went from prison to being prime minister. And what I try to chronicle in that work is how God, who is the great artist, works on Joseph to work through Joseph. And so it's an attempt to show how we and our trust on God can move us from pit to, to pulpit and into God's awesome arms. Uh, we have had great time writing the book and my work as the pastor of the Tabernacle Baptist Church of Dayton has sort of given me a platform to look at the miracles through the madness of people's lives and how God's artwork can emerge uh, from this awesome encounter. Uh, the Arts of Joseph is uh, sort of my fourth book. Uh, we've just completed one on called The Trumpet of Compassion, uh, in which we look at uh, the whole language of justice and righteousness in modern American society. Uh, the book can be found on the Ripe Awakening website, has been already articulated today, but I'm just glad to be part of this conversation. Good evening, everybody. Good evening, Pastor. Thank you. Good evening. Good evening. Um, definitely, again, um, make sure that we visit those websites. Um, I, I did share a post uh, earlier with those links, and then at the end of the show, I will repost those links um, to make sure that uh, anyone who wants to go out and purchase a copy of the books, um, The Arts of Joseph, um, No Regrets, and His Strength in My Weakness, um, please go uh, get a copy of those. Um, so I want to jump into the show. Um, and I kind of want to um, talk about something that each that each one of you have in your book, um, and that is the power to overcome. And, um, Pastor, I want to start with you. Um, I know that you said that you that you, um, you know, want to you want to show how God works in the madness of, of people's lives. Um, and, and in that madness, um, there's. You know, there's different things that's going on, trials, tribulations, or whatnot. Um, so kind of talk about um, what it is that, that you do um, in that light. How do you do it? And um, how do you show that power to overcome? Right. Excellent question. So for me, the power to overcome can also be explained with the great theme of the song, Gracefully Broken. Okay. That, that we overcome in God simply by doing the opposite of overcoming, and that is to undergo, right? So you undergo in God 
right? Because the point of overcoming is to really overcome ourselves, mm-hmm. the, the barriers within ourselves, the, the gaps within ourselves, the dysfunctions within ourselves, the sort of negative toxic proclivities within ourselves. And so what God does when God is going to use someone masterfully and mightily, God, first of all, uh, uh, puts that person through a process of chastening, of discipline, of breaking, if you will. And so we call it gracefully broken, a la the song by Tasha Cos, because we are broken, but we are still in the awesome hands of God. And so out of that brokenness now, God begins to form us into a new creature, a new person, give us a new mindset, gives us new proclivities and motivations so that our agenda no longer becomes our own. It becomes mm. totally to God. And so we, we, you get an attitude of gratitude or, or you present your body as a living sacrifice. And if I may say, uh, the, the power of the books that we're dealing with today, and I've studied, not just read Strength and Weakness by Dr. Taylor and No Regrets, that what you see, this is the common theme of people who are broken. Mm-hmm. But their brokenness is not left in that state. We are being rebuilt by the awesome power of an all-loving and all-wise God. And so the key to overcoming is surrender. I surrender all. Mm-hmm. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Mm-hmm. Hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. That's how we overcome. Amen. Amen. Um, I, I want to uh, add uh, Miss uh, Charles to the show, um, and, and if you could, um, you know, kind of go on the same topic of the power to overcome, the power to overcome, and kind of talk about, um, you know, things that you went through, or you know, how did you help uh, people overcome um, or show that strength in overcoming? Um, well, <laughs> I, I do believe that we're all overcomers in one way or another. And I, as a pastor was speaking, that song, that hymn, All to Jesus, I Surrender, that was just playing in my head. And um, that is the way that we have to go in order to overcome. Uh, We can't do it in our own strength. And anyone who tries to do that is simply uh, using the recipe for failure. Mm. We have to just surrender it all to God and he will, he will, you know, take care of it. Um, I mean, over the years, you, you, once you live in the world, you will accumulate so many examples of, of just trusting God and he will work things out for you. And he will work them out in such a way that you would have never, ever have imagined them to be, you know, worked out. Um, and at the time when you're going through it, sometimes you're saying, well, why, is he, why isn't God coming through? Why isn't God working this out? But then when you look back, you realize, hey, God could see the big picture and he was working it all out. And, um, you know, I, I can give you an example. For ex- I'll just say my, my husband and I and my family, we lost our home in a fire. Wow. Back in the 1990s. Now, technically, I was homeless that night because our house went up in smoke. But through that fire, the community came together. I remember running out of the house in the middle of January, no shoes on my feet, no socks, nothing. Um, the, uh, the thing was just to come out of the house. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the, one of the first things a neighbor did was to bring me a pair of socks. And I'll never, ever forget that. 
And to this day, I mean, in my in my time as a as a as a an advisor for the National Junior Honor Society, one of our big pushes was always to collect socks for the homeless because <laughs> I never forgot that. Um, but what I, what I'm trying to say is that through that that fire drew a lot of people close together. Uh, a lot of relatives said, "Wow, we're now going to make sure that our fire uh, extinguishers work." We're going to make sure that, this, you know, people were just coming together and doing the right thing and just making sure that they stayed safe. And we also got a, a brand new house out of it. And uh, we decided to stay in the neighborhood, not to move out because, you know what, God was just with us and God saw us through. And so we came out of it better than we went into it. So to God be the glory. To God, to be, God the glory. be the glory. Definitely. Amen. Um, <clears throat> and Miss Taylor, what's your thoughts about it? As I listened to Pastor when he was talking about overcoming, what came to my mind was, because he's right, it's a time where you're taken from a pit into the kingdom of God. And sometimes we ask, why doesn't God do for me what he does for others? Mm -hmm. But he's willing to do that. And he does do that. But sometimes we doesn't heed that call. So I'm taken back to my book when I wrote it and the, the struggles that I went through and the things I had to push back. And I used to think it was me. I was doing it. Mm -hmm. My mm -hmm. anger was what got me to overcome homelessness, hunger, um, waiting out there in the cold or the hot sun, waiting for the bus, taking care of these children on my own. I used to think that it was my anger. But as I wrote book two, there is a sequel to this book, by the way. I realized and I learned God had to teach me it was not me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I had my moment, I had my Joseph moment, mm -hmm. and I didn't know. Hmm. Wow. Because I, as I was down there, there's no way I should have made it back up. Mm -hmm. But what it was that helped me to overcome was what I was taught in Antigua. I also was born in Antigua. Mm -hmm. And as I was, I had my breakdown that night, I thought about Girls Brigade, which is called Girl Scout here. Okay. I thought about going to Sunday school, going to church. I was down there broken, and ready, and I'm like, Lord, you know what? Take me right now. I am so tired of this life. I'm just tired, and I'm ready to give up. But he wasn't. So he was, he gracefully, what was that? Gracefully broken. I had mm. my gracefully broken moment. Mm. I had my Joseph moment. Mm. And he brought me through it. So he was like, okay, this is what I need to do to get you to look to me. Mm. It is, your life is not about you. It's Pastor not. said it's best in his book where he wrote, and I'm powerful phrasing he's saying that our struggles are meant to be our testimony to help others Definitely. and the things that we are ashamed to speak about those Ooh. are the things we need to speak because they help us to overcome they help us to see god Preach, Ms. Tyler. <laughs> no 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 not that but it's just i have been through a lot mm -hmm. and I, he just had to keep breaking me over and over because I was so stubborn. Mm -hmm. So I had to go through a lot of things because I tried to do things my way. But then he brought me through it. And I am so thankful that he did because now as I sit here, I think about the people that are listening right now, the mm -hmm. people that will listen tomorrow on those other platforms, mm -hmm. and they will say, okay, let me try again. 
If Dr. Taylor and Pastor Delica and Minister Charles could say they were gracefully broken and they are here giving this, I want to do the same. So that's when I look at overcoming. That's what I think about the stuff that we go through and how we come out of it. Because some people don't see overcome as the same way. It's okay. Um, I have two more dollars than I did yesterday so I overcame. But did you overcome? What did you overcome? Yeah. Overcoming, you have to involve God in it somehow so you can really see what you overcame. Because the stuff that I struggled with back there, I don't struggle with now. My struggles are different. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, um, I posted something on Facebook and I said, um, let your ego go so God can show his ego in your life. And that's kind of what what I'm hearing now is that we had to... Um, or, you know, or you had to let, it's not about you, like you said, you know, it's bigger than you. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think every individual has to understand that in life, um, in order to really move forward. Um, also that when you're at, when you're broken, um, you're at your closest to him. Um, and it may not seem like it in those moments, but if you reach out, you know, and if you, and if you, uh, you know, you ask him and you come to him, he definitely can work in your life. Um, we just got to be able to trust him. Um, in those moments um, yes. and and again not lean on our own words and, and our own understanding um, with things so I definitely agree with that with that message thank you Powerful. yes 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 let our ego go so <clears throat> I want to get into some environmental things um, because we know life is full of decisions and choices um, and those decisions and choices we make is sometimes what can lead to our to our downfall or to our uprising. Um, but I want to ask the, you know a question, and anyone can start. Um, but I want to know: Does do you think environments dictate decisions that we make? I actually believe that they do. Okay. Um, to, I mean, and and we can use that as a reason or an excuse, if you will, up to a certain point, um, because uh, I don't want to jump into my book too early, but um, back in the day with our parents and, and, and their parents, uh, if we all just take a look back, we realize that discipline was very, very strict. And not only your parents were allowed to discipline you, but the neighbors and the teachers were allowed to you know, spank you at school and all sorts of things were that way. And what I say to that is that people do what they, people make decisions based on what they have to work with. Mm -hmm. Some of these people didn't know any better. Mm -hmm. And that is why they, they, you know, they disciplined us the way they did or, you know, people do the best they can with what they have. Mm -hmm. And that's a quote that I, I, I use. And I, I do believe that that's true, because I don't believe that any any right-thinking parent would want to hurt their child. However, if you think back, and I know back in in the islands, the back in the grandparents' day, it was very very harsh, and they would beat you to within an inch of your life sometimes, and, and you know, so yeah. they, they didn't know better. I think I mm -hmm. I personally feel people do what they have to do what what they or what they have done based on the environment that they lived in and what they perceive to be the right way to do things yes because it's, it's all it's all they know you know what i mean yeah. it's it's what yeah. they've been what you've been brought up brought up upon it's almost kind of like a um 
uh, was the brainwashing of, of some yeah. sort, um, unintentionally. Socialized, yes. Yeah. Um, so you know, one of you, one of you guys, want to go ahead and speak on that topic, or? I'll leave uh, that to you, Pastor. Well, let me just say this is sort of one of my, the areas of my, of my. It's it's a passionate area for me, and so my sort of thumbnail response, brothership, is to say yes mm -hmm. that both that that yes and no and what i mean by that is environment does not dictate consciousness okay but environment shapes consciousness and you can you can you can you can there's evidence by looking at a span of disciplines both in terms of the liberal arts as well as social science and, and even and even science mm -hmm. i'll give you an example in the formation of a child in the consciousness of a child a child does not cannot speak language a child according to Freud, learns language by listening to one's parent. By the mother, he, he can't learn how to say I, mama, daddy. It is, it is it's from the environment that they learn. They learn their names from their environment. They learn how to go to the bathroom from their environment. So at a certain stage, the environment absolutely is the over-determining factor in the formation of identity and consciousness. I mm -hmm. think that's pretty much universal. Mm -hmm. I think what happens then is that there's a process called individuation in which the child now begins to separate and disaggregate themselves from their parent, mm. right? And that's a process of maturation. Well, that takes time, and depending on the culture, that may begin somewhere between four, five, six, seven, where the child can now go out and go play by school. themselves and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. now, now, at that stage, though, environment still shapes you because you still need to learn how to play on the playground, how to share your games, that kind of stuff. But then you get to a point where adulthood arises, and I'm cutting a lot of things short here, Definitely. in which now you develop what Dr. King called your somebodiness. Mm. The Christian faith talks about this in terms of imago Dei, that you now understand who you are in terms of your inviolable dignity, right, and your wholesome integrity, that mm -hmm. you know who Shep is, you know who Dr. Taylor is. But the point I'm trying to make is that cannot be extracted from the fact that you come out of a tradition, mm -hmm. you come out of a circle of formation, you come out of a family background. And what, what, what I'm trying to argue is oftentimes <clears throat> the health of that adult is predetermined by the health of the community that shapes that adult. So at a particular stage of adolescence, if somebody now moves to, to hang out with gang members and people that, that shape you a, a particular way, then you tend to move in that direction. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the, 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 biblical, the biblical, if you will, one of the biblical paradigms that African-Americans tend to use is when the eagle stirs the net. That after a particular time, the mother says, now it's time for you to go and fly on your own wings mm -hmm. and does not beg the, the baby eagle to go out, but pushes the baby out from a high altitude. And then the baby learns to fly on their own. Mm -hmm. But you have to move out of your comfort zone to find who you are in that regard. Mm -hmm. And so and so to a certain degree, environment does shape. And then you, you when you become who you are, then what happens is you begin to turn back. This is the ideal you begin to turn back and pour back into the community that shapes you, but you have to give that community now positive, progressive, what we call Promethean values. And I think that's the dialectic, or that's the, that's the interplay between the two. 
uh, between how, you know, what we call nature and nurture. So I would just leave it like that. But I think it's both. And you find those. Mm-hmm. And again, this is the power. You find those in strength and weakness that after my sister comes to a certain level of consciousness, mm-hmm. she begins to leave alone some of the negative toxic elements that formed her. You find that in Aileen, the, 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 the protagonist of the novel, that after they get to a certain level, then they give back. You find that in the life of Joseph. But you have to transcend the toxic elements of your background. Yeah. But you have to affirm yeah. The life-giving elements of your background, and both are there, mm-hmm. right? And I think prayer is one way that you disentangle those two things. So I'll just offer those. Things. Definitely, definitely, I definitely agree with those with those comments. Um, I want to uh, first off uh, give a shout out. This is uh, Michelle Summerlin um, saying hello, Pastor. Thank you for being an awesome man of God. We love you at TBC. Hey, my sister, <laughs> we love you, Michelle, and we love TBC. Definitely. Where miracles happen. Mm-hmm. Right, Shep? Yeah. Right, right Dr. Taylor? Yes. <laughs> right, Mr. Charles? Yeah. We thank God. Mr. Charles, that we've been to your church. Well, if you've been to it through you guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. God bless you, Michelle. Okay, so um, I want to go into some uh, things. Um, one of the uh, hot topics that I've had and debated on this show before, um, and it's about uh, mental uh, depression. And um, wanting to know, is it a um, mental illness or a state of being? Um, I know that, you know, and, and I'll kind of, you know, tell, tell my side of this. Um, I brought it up because I felt like, um, you know, with the age and social media um, that we're in and technology and things like that, we have a lot of things that can um, gain our attention. And I think that we let a lot of things in our ear gates and eye gates um, and a lot of and we see what a lot of people are doing and, and other people may make decisions on what they see and not what is truth maybe at times. Um, and I think that has impacted the level of depression in the world. Um, because you you know you have people that maybe feel like they should be there or or wherever the case may be when somebody's out you know and somewhere nice, so I believe that it is a state of being, um, and I believe that we can um, come out of it. But again, we have to recognize the flaws and things that that we have in us or and what is causing that, and then eliminate that. Um, and that could be again an environment um, that we're in. It could it could be those things. It could be uh, whatever distractions that we have in our life. Um, but again, we have to see those things. Um, I don't want to take up too much time, and I'm going to start with uh, Dr. Taylor. Um, what do you think? <laughs> That's a touchy subject for me. Believe it or not. Okay. Um, because there was a time where I struggled with depression very badly. Mm-hmm. I agree with you to some extent that it can be a state of mind, mm-hmm. but then there's a flip side to it. Okay. And that could make it more of an illness, more than just a state mm-hmm. of mind. Mm-hmm. Okay. And mm-hmm. I speak from experience Okay. when I say that, because after I got hurt, it wasn't a state of mind. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of lows. There were a lot of highs. There were hospitalizations, doctors, medications. Mm-hmm. I have always been a strong person. Mm. 
And I know for a fact that had it been a state of mind, I could have gotten out of it on my own. But it was more than just that. It was days where I couldn't remember anything. I kid you not. It was trying to remember things that happened in my childhood, listening to people asking me, you don't remember this? And I'm like, no, I don't. Mm. You don't remember this place? No, I don't. And try as I could, I couldn't remember. And the headaches. Mm. I used to have headaches really bad. But that's because I was hurt. Mm -hmm. So the doctors are calling it bipolar. They're calling it clinical depression. And there were so many names for it. Mm -hmm. And I was on one medication after the next. And... They just was making me even more crazy because then I wasn't sleeping. So you see, it takes it to a whole new level than state of mind. Yes. So what I did was I put in my book the five natural highs. And those are so powerful because it does amazing things. And I could speak about them because they helped me. Mm -hmm. We're talking about eating regularly. I'm talking about I used to go to the gym five days a week. Mm. Because the medications are now working, but I also wanted a different life. I wanted to be able to sleep at night. I wanted my thoughts to stop racing. Mm -hmm. So you see, that's why I'm saying it's much more than a state of mind because at one point I had no control. Mm. Wanting that peace, you're being called a restless soul, and you're trying to figure out what I'm calling a restless soul, but you're thinking everybody's mind races the way you do, and mm. then you realize, no, it doesn't. Wow. Mm. It's just you that your mind is racing. Mm-hmm. Shep's mind is not racing. Pastor's mind, Brid- Minister Bridget's mind is not racing. It's just Dr. Taylor's mind that's racing. So then when I realized that, now I'm like, oh, everybody's mind doesn't do that. Everybody doesn't do that. And then that's when it started to creep in. Well, okay, I need to do something different because then now it's not normal. I Amen. become agno- abnormal. Mm-hmm. So then comes the exercise. There comes the, I need to eat more healthy. I don't eat junk food for nobody. I don't. Yeah. I don't do the junk food. I can't do caffeine. I can't do the coffee like everyone else do. Mm-hmm. I don't do the red meat. I have to eat differently because then now I need to achieve something differently in life. Mm-hmm. So then I even also had, I remember telling my doctor, I need to go back to my first doctor. Mm-hmm. And he had no idea what I'm talking about, but I had to go back to God. And it was a lot of praying, wow. exercising, eating right, trying to sleep. And, and, you know, just the, the normal things that should make a person feel whole. That's what I had to do every day of my life so that I could get to that place where my energy is not driving people crazy. My energy still drives people crazy. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, but try to do that without sleep. So I beg to differ to an extent that is mm-hmm. not just a state of mind. It's a mental thing that you struggle with because I got hurt and it damaged my frontal lobe. Mm-hmm. So that changed things for mm-hmm. me. So then uh, there are days where I was very sad and just crying for everything. Don't know why I'm crying. Mm-hmm. But then there's days where I'm so happy. And that's considered depression. But it was out of my control. Because depends on what I ate. Wow. It would really. Wow. Doctor told me about 30 years ago. No chocolate, no caffeine, no red meat. And I still don't do them mm-hmm. because they did something inside there that made my, my behavior out of control. Wow. 
So that's why I can sit here and say it's more than just a state of mind because I lived it. Mm -hmm. wow. And <laughs> quite honestly, this is actually the first time I'm speaking about it out loud. Mm -hmm. See, it's not to be ashamed about it because God already washed away all that shame. So, yes. yeah, it, it, it can be more in-depth depending on the individual. Mm. Yeah. But the beautiful thing about it is his strength showed in your weakness. Yes, yes. He, I mean, that name is so fitting for that book. Because yes. as you read it, the things that I go to, and I tell people, don't sympathize with me, my story. Don't, don't, don't cry. Don't my teacher you. told me Absolutely. that she cried. I said, mm. don't. Mm. Look at what the story is. Look at the big picture. Mm -hmm. I'm not that person anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I, I've changed. And I still apologize to my children because I was going crazy, mm. literally just one minute high up on the roof and the next minute low. And I try to curtail it every day because I have so much energy. But thank God I'm not there anymore. Praise God. Amen. Yes. No medication either. <laughs> Amen. I'm not going to touch this one. Yeah, this, okay. It does went too deep. Minister Charles, okay. go right ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm here to listen. This is powerful. Yes. You, uh, you can't sit down on hot coals, so I'm just going to leave that one alone. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> powerful. Um, profound. Profound, definitely. Uh, yeah. um, I, can understand, I can understand where uh, Dr. Taylor is coming from because I do have... Uh, I have family members who have, you know, experienced uh, that type of situation. And um, truthfully, I, I was going to say that there are different levels of depression. Absolutely. And so some of them may be state of mind. But when you're talking about clinical depression, that's a whole other story. Yes. And, and, and Dr. Taylor clearly has, has lived it. So mm -hmm. I defer to her on that. Definitely. Thank you for the enlightenment as well and sharing your story. Um, you know, for it to be the first time that you talk about it, I know that that's a uh, maybe a big stepping stone for you to be out to, and to share that, um, you know, to the viewing public. Um, but again, it's stories like those that can make a difference in someone else's life that you, you may not even know. Um, so that is, that's amazing. Um, and that shows a lot of strength in you for, uh, for doing that. So thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Um, so I kind of want to... Um, you know, we, we I want to talk about, you know, each of you, each of your each of your uh, lives um, and kind of want to start with you, uh, Pastor. Um, what, um, you know, led you to become a pastor? Wow. 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 <laughs> um, rejection. <laughs> Closed doors. <laughs> no, I, I really I really was um, at first. I, I mean, I changed I changed profession so many times I was going to be a scientist at one point. That wasn't working out. Oh, really? And then I wanted to be like my dad. He was a kidney kidney guy. He's an internal uh, internal medicine doctor. Um, so I wanted to do that. Um, and that wasn't working out with the sciences. And then when I got to undergrad, I tried computer science. And then I had these awesome professors uh, at Morehouse who taught African-American studies. And it seemed like law was the way to go. Hmm. And so when I got, <laughs> you guys are laughing at me. You, see, now you're letting me deal with my own inner yes, trauma. Please. And so, and so, and so, you know, I was in philosophy, and and, and I, like I wanted to serve my people. You know, I wanted to give back, and so I was going to take African American studies. I was going to do pol political science, philosophy, and then I started. I took my LSAT, and my for some reason the LSAT wasn't working for me. <laughs> I there, 
I mean, you talk about do- <laughs> God closing doors. So, um, but then I love to preach for mm. some reason. And so I, I have to be honest with you, sort of like Joseph, I backed into the dream, so to speak. Yeah. And so if you talk to, when, when people that I grew up with hear that I'm a pastor, mm. the first thing they do is they check the spelling of my name. <laughs> 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 to make sure we're talking. Some of them are probably listening now. Some of them are in England. And my dad is probably listening in Nigeria. They're six hours ahead. But they're, they're laughing, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it, and one of them even came by my house, came all the way here from Houston last week, and told my wife, and said, if Takumbo and Delacan can preach, said, the Lord has hope for me. But that's it. <laughs> oh. And so, and so, thanks be to God, the Lord cleaned me up before He brought me back to Dayton. And so, I'm sure the parishioners are here right now. So, but, but what I, what I, what I heard was, I heard, I, I saw a man by the name of Reverend Clarence James preach, and Morehouse has a tradition of preachers, and there was just something in me that when I saw him preach, I said, in the words of the little eagle to the big eagle, "Boy, I wish I could fly like that." And that's when the door started opening for me. And and then I started reading about Dr. King and Malcolm and Howard Thurman and Mordecai Johnson and the black prophetic tradition. Mm-hmm. And then one thing led to another, and, and I found out that I really was fighting God. And then you've heard people say yes. that God's, God's mm-hmm. yes is bigger than your no, Those or your yes. arms are too uh, 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 short to, f- to box with God. And, and w- what, what I like to call that, my brother, is the authenticating process. I am really, and I'm not God, but I am very shy. I'm very leery, if you will, if not weary, about people who just say they heard from God and run to the pulpit. Mm. Um, You have to go through an authenticating Mm -hmm. process. Mm -hmm. You have to go through a wilderness process uh, whereby whereby all the other doors shut. Because, you see, the only way you can know that you're a preacher is that you have to be shaken. You have to shake the shackles, the the, the handcuffs of the gospel. Mm Because the Bible says, Paul says, I'm a slave for Christ. So you have to shake them and try to break Mm -hmm. free from them. And when you can't break free, that's when you know you're called. Mm -hmm. Because, you see, you have to understand, once you get into this thing, people are going to accuse you of a whole lot. What do you mean? What do you mean? I want to, you know, tap into that. You said um, when you know you're called, you have have to break free from the shackles. Right. The, the only way you know you're called is when you try to break free and you can't break free. Gotcha. Be, because, because I'll be very honest with you, there's a lot of other things I could do. Mm-hmm. I could be a businessman. I love journalism. I could be a writer. I could be a historian. You, you, you follow what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, I could do a lot of other things. I could run for politics. Mm-hmm. But, but, but I'm not able to. Because, like I said earlier, every time I wanted to do something else, the Lord will shut down those doors. Mm. And the reason why I believe that that has to take place is because in order for you, to, for the Lord to use you, mm-hmm. in, in my view, and I'm not, I'm not speaking for all preachers. I'm just talking about for my tradition. Mm-hmm. You cannot get up there and not be clear as to what your calling is. Because you're going to go through a whole lot. And you have to hone your ear to hear God's voice. Mm-hmm. So, so the, the temptations will come. And, and it's not just power, money, sex. It's the temptation to listen to become megalomaniac. It's a temptation to hear your own, want to hear your own voice. It's a temptation to, for, people, for you to hear the clapping of people. And you have to get into God so deep that the clapping 
that the that that whatever that the enticement is is not what drives you. Mm-hmm. So you have to be able to hunger and thirst for righteousness, and that means you have to have spent enough time in the wilderness, mm-hmm. Moses. Elisha, yes. Paul, Jesus, so that when, when that stuff comes, you're able to tell the devil, no, that's not why I'm called. Mm-hmm. Because it will come. It will come at every angle. And so, and so uh, uh, I am, uh, uh, if you've not been through anything, I, I can hear, if you've been through something, I can hear the accent of the infinite in your voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, because when you preach, the power of that pain, the poeticized pain will come through your voice. And if it's not there, then it's just like you, you hear the floweriness. And, and the only yeah. way I can say this is that the Bible says, try the spirit by the spirit to see whether it be of God. And so when things begin to come, I'm able to say, okay, I understand I have this, but this belongs to God. I can give it back to God. Because when, 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 when the noise comes, you have to be able to hear God's voice through the noise, through your own noise, through your family's noise, mm-hmm. through the noise of, of the profession, through the noise of what people say about preachers, so that you're clear that, no, I'm carrying this cross, and I'm not going to let it down until the Lord turns my cross into a crown. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, that's simply uh, what I, ha- I, I I can talk about, you know, being pastor preacher. Definitely, <clears throat> Minister Charles. Yes. What led you, um, you know, on your journey? Um, what, um, you know, what kind of, you know, things that you that you wanted to discuss on? What led you, um, uh, you know, to go that route? Um. <clears throat> well, truthfully, I have fought. <laughs> I thought that when I felt the call to be a minister, I I did not think I was worthy. I did not think I should do it. I it came to me later on in life, um, after I had you know established myself as an educator, and I had been doing a lot of things in the church, but the Lord was calling me to to actually go up and and deliver messages. However, I did not feel like I should do that. I, so I, I came up with every excuse imaginable. Mm. But he kept after me, and eventually uh, an opportunity arose where we had to find another church. Uh, the members of our church, were, it was the church was sort of uh, breaking up, if you will. Uh, it's, a, it's a whole long story that we can't get into right now. But I went to another, It was. It's, it's still in the United Methodist Church. I went to another United Methodist Church. I prayed about it, and I went to another church. And the pastor there told me that he had prayed for God to send someone to help him, and God sent me. Hmm. And so that authenticated the fact that I was there. Um, and so right away he took me under his wings and, you know, and mentored me and um so right now i am not I'm, i don't i'm not a pastor of a church but i do uh work with the the, the uh, senior pastor and i you know I, I whenever he grants me that uh opportunity i do deliver messages and i i work in the church as much as i can to help you know to help further god's kingdom here on earth Amen. um but again we can kick and we can scream and we can do whatever it is that we want to do. It's not up to us. Absolutely. All right? Yeah, According to Psalms 127 verses 1 and 2, it says, Unless the Lord builds a house, the builders <laughs> labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. So we can build whatever houses we want. We can say we're not that. We can build whatever professions we want to build. 
if God says that's not for you, if God says that's not what I want you to do, he's going to, you're just doing it in vain. He's going to just find a way to remove whatever so that you can turn in the direction that he wants you to turn into. If you've been, if you have been anointed, appointed and approved by God. So I would uh, surmise that you have no regrets um, about this. Absolutely none. Absolutely none. Absolutely none. So speaking of um, no regrets, um, you know, you have the floor. And I want to kind of give you the opportunity to, you know, you know, give a deep dive into your book, um, you know, and and, um, let the let the world know um, what they can find in about um, no regrets, maybe without not telling the whole book. Um, but, you know, give a, uh, give a, you know, a, a good listen to, uh, or let the people know what, what it is about, uh, no regrets, um, and you know, why it was important for you to do the book. Okay. So I'll start out by saying that no regrets again was, um, inspired by the life of my mother. However, it is a work of fiction. Uh, there's some parallels and I do, you know, I do reserve the right to, to, um, to sort of keep secret, if you will, what what is actually um, something that happened and what is something that I made up. And even some of those things that actually happened, I have embellished and I have, you know, changed them around a little bit. However, my mother was a very inspirational uh, person. She has since passed away. Um, so the, the story of no regrets, hmm. uh, is, it tells the story of a little girl named Eileen who lived in Antigua, and it starts out with her at five years old. Now, uh, I don't know what your background is, and I don't know the background of all the listeners. However, back in those days, little children had to work hard. Hmm. The whole thing, the whole idea was that everyone had to help out the family. And so even though she was only five years old, she had a lot of chores to do. And uh, again, like I mentioned before, Discipline was very harsh, and um, so Eileen had to uh, undergo a lot as she grew up. She faced many dangers, many challenges, and um, how she dealt with these these uh, you know this adversity reveal her character layer by layer, and we see how Eileen Eileen's faith in God helps her to overcome these things, and her mother. Her mother was a very central figure in her life, Mm -hmm. and her mother told her a whole lot of uh, positive statements throughout that would sustain her for every dark period that she was going through. She would remember something that her mother, whom she called Mother Babe, she remembered Mother Babe's voice, and Mother Babe would tell her, you remember, you don't treat people the way they treat you. Treat them the way you want them to treat you. Uh, you know, and Mother Babe would teach her a stitch in time saves nine, even though that is not um, necessarily from the Bible. It is one of the good things that Mother Babe said that uh, always helped her to just do things the right way. Mother mm. Babe would say anything worth doing was, is worth doing right and mm. things like that. Um, uh, so anyway, Mother uh, Eileen grew up and, um, you know, she, she rose above, she rose above uh, a lot of things and I won't give away every single thing. She had many decisions that she had to make. Uh, there was one point in the book where she faced danger of being ravaged, Mm. um, physically Mm. as a young girl. Mm. 
and how she was able to, you know, how she, how that situation played out. Um, it's, it's a lot of things. Also, there are a lot of themes that come out of this book. Yes. Like, mm -hmm. um, yes. like family. Yes. Like uh, chauvinism. Mm -hmm. like, um, mm -hmm. uh, relationships between, you know, between uh, various uh, members of the community. And um, so many things, so many, so many. Um, Eileen had to, at one point, ha she had to stand up for herself and fight back. Mm -hmm. Now, some people mm -hmm. might say, oh, uh, if you're a Christian, uh, you have to, you know, you should just turn the other cheek. But Eileen had turned from cheek to cheek to cheek, <laughs> and she had run out of cheeks. <laughs> and so, <laughs> wow. And so she, just, she, she, had, she felt she had to do something, and she defended herself. And you know what? That bully never bothered her again. Right. Um, so uh, I mean, it's 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 a story. It's a, it's a novel that has stories within the story. Absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely. And um, absolutely. yeah, and it, I've heard you know I've had very good reviews about it. Um, yes, so, it sounds it sounds uh, adventurous too. You yes, know, it's yes. like it takes you through a um, a lot of different trials and ups and downs, and then it's uh, moving to places. So. Um, I definitely, especially with the title, No Regrets, um, that's definitely something that would entice me um, just off the title alone to go listen to the book. Well, to go. Speaking of listening, is these yeah. books uh, available audio style? Well, I was just about to say, hmm, I wonder who told you. Uh, <laughs> I, actually, um, I actually did the narration of my book. Okay. Um, I just got done with the... Um, recording the audiobook but i have not taken it uh the next step yet okay so it has already been recorded and i i do have to go another step okay that's kind of like um you know when you're dealing with uh books and things i, I remember when i was a business manager just a little off, off subject so bear with me for a minute Please. but when i was a um a business manager with um with u.s bank there was like um uh merchants um, so I used to have to do merchant selling as well. So what I used to tell these the business owners were, okay, well, you know, we're in a society now where people aren't just accepting cash. They're accepting mm -hmm. card and mm -hmm. digital forms yeah. of payment. Mm -hmm. oh, and yes. your business is 30% uh, will strive at a, at a higher rate of 30%, bare minimum, just by you accepting cards and digital forms yeah. of payment. Mm -hmm. Same thing as being an author. We got to make sure that, you know, when people, you know, people do like to still get hard copies of books and things mm -hmm, like that. Mm -hmm. But it's also a lot easier to have those books to where they can be downloaded on someone's phone and they're just able to listen to them in this new world. Um, exactly. So definitely that kudos to you with uh, making sure that that you're getting those um, to audio, um, because in this yeah. world that we're living in, that's probably the number one seller in the way that, that people yeah. buy at this point. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sure. May, may I say a word before, just just because I have really tried to get, I have digested these books, so these books live within me. Okay. And and if I may, just just quickly before we we talk about before Dr. Taylor talks about her book, one of the one of the the power and the beauty that you find in how, because I see both of these women as powerful storytellers, mm -hmm. and really, I really wanted to come on to sort of highlight their work and mm -hmm. and and. And what you find, right, and I think that we need to talk about this more, mm -hmm. is the heroic powers, yeah. the, the heroic energy latent and emerging in black women. Mm. 
and 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 black power, black beauty, black decency, right? Black integrity, right? Black creativity emerging from these characters in mm. these books. And the reason why I think that's important is because on a very serious level, black women have to negotiate the intersectionality, if you will, of race, class, and gender. Right? Exactly. And so and so when you see these women emerging, right? both in terms of reading their work but knowing the authors, you, see, you, 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 you can see that a young woman who is, who is dealing with cyberbullying right now or mm. dealing with the lack of a parent at home or dealing with questions of identity can really read the books and also get to know the authors and say, I can overcome. Mm. That, that's what I think that, 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 that you know, and, and I counted at least 22 themes. I mean, they're dealing with color strokeism. They're dealing with uh, class consciousness. They're dealing with what does it mean to be a single parent and raise a family on meager fare. And so in a way, you really have to purchase the book to get not just the story, but the moral lessons and the intellectual virtues that come out of these characters. And yeah. uh, and I'm just here because I believe that it's just another way, my brother, because mm -hmm. you know this, of spreading the gospel, advancing the kingdom. And maybe there'll be somebody out there mm -hmm. that may not be churched. Exactly. You see what I'm saying? That can say, wow, I see what somebody can do, how God can reach somebody outside of church and then disciple them. Mm -hmm. And so I think the church becomes now... Uh, a school, if you will, that, that can open their doors to these kinds of people and say, wow, th these are gifts to the church as well. And I think there's a message here for, for how we can do church in, in a post-COVID world. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to say that about both of these authors, if I may. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we'll, Dr. Taylor, please go right ahead. Mm -hmm. Thank you. He just <laughs> put me on the platform, doesn't he? And he just told me that. Okay, my book... How did I end up writing that? Um, my book was, I should say, came about after I did my dissertation. Mm -hmm. um, I wrote my dissertation, and even as I wrote that, there was a lot of things that I left out, a lot of things that I was ashamed of that I did not want to get out there. But... <laughs> a lot of people say the conscience is something that it will play on you, but mm -hmm. no, that's the work of God because I was at the point where I needed a change in my life. I was tired. I, I, I mean, I was just weary, and I needed that change, though I did not know what change I needed. Mm -hmm. I just know that I wanted something different, and so God laid it on my heart to, by the way, I'm an accountant, Okay. That's my profession. Mm -hmm. I've been accounting on my work in life, and God is changing the trajectory of my life. So here's the book, and hence the doctor. Mm -hmm. okay. okay, so here I am now, and I'm in a state of confusion because I know I needed a change. I don't know what change I needed. But what he wanted me to do, I did not want to do it. I was like... I don't even like what you're sending me. I don't even <laughs> like people. Mm -hmm. I am not doing this on no terms. But God took me to my knees again. Mm -hmm. This time he did. It wasn't what I did before that landed me there because I didn't listen. He did this time. Mm -hmm. And I had my Job moment. Mm -hmm. I was working for the IRS. I lost my job. 
Wow. Working for the government as an auditor, I lost my job. But I still work for the government as an auditor today. <laughs> Came full now, circle. Now, now, because here's the thing. Okay, the thing about God that I'm learning is this. He might have a purpose for our life, but he's not going to make us be hungry while he fulfilled that purpose. Mm. So the accounting job was to allow me to be able to put food on my table, you know, take care of my children and do the things I need to do. He was providing because he's a provider. But he was telling me that's not the end of my life. That's not the end of the story that he wants me to write. Mm. So I was like, I am not doing it. I don't like people. No, I am not going to go out there and expose my deepest secrets to nobody. I'm not doing it. Mm -hmm. So I lost my job. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. A whole year. Remember, I have an accounting degree. I was with the government. I wow. And a whole year? <laughs> a whole year. Wow. <laughs> no work. No work for a whole year. And it wasn't a lack of trying to Closing find a doors. job. Mm -hmm. it, was, it wasn't that. It was because I wasn't obedient. Mm -hmm. I did not want to go where he wanted me to go. Mm -hmm. So I had my Job moment. And in my Job moment, I had to surrender. Mm -hmm. I had to tell him, fine, I will do it. And I kid you not when I told you, when I did my PhD, it was the most fulfilling mm. experience of my life. <laughs> All the other two degrees in accounting. Mm -hmm. I have my bachelor's in accounting, my master's is in forensic accounting. Almost blew my mind doing those. But mm. when I did my PhD, it was nothing like that. Mm. And then as I did that, like I said, I left out a lot of information. God was like, I can't do nothing with you, can I? <laughs> I mean, I am trying here to, to get you where I want you, but you're just not listening. Mm. So I, wrote, I said, okay, I will go and listen, and I will put it in a book. Mm -hmm. But then I still didn't do what he wanted. So I had a publisher, my first publisher that looked at the book, and he told me, this is a good story, but you need to revisit it. You need to dig deep inside mm. of you mm. and bring out the story the way it needs to be told. He said, you're writing about your husband walking out on you the day you're giving birth. Are you acting like you were just walking down the road? It didn't bother you. He said, no, dig deep. Mm -hmm. that, the emotions that you had, put it on paper. I was mm -hmm. like, I ain't doing that. I said, I wrote it. What more do you want? Mm -hmm. So he said, you need to dig deep and bring it out of you. Mm -hmm. And so I revisit and nothing was coming. Nothing was coming. I was like, I don't know what he's talking about. I can't do it. Mm -hmm. I don't know how far you got in my book, but there was a little girl in my book, heaven. <laughs> when I got to heaven, I broke down. Mm -hmm. I mean, all the emotions came back to life because I love that little girl as if she's my flesh and blood. Heaven was heaven on earth. She's oh, my on gosh. Earth. Yeah. Yeah. When I read the story, I said to myself, Rita, you have to write this the way he wants because you wouldn't want anybody to do what heaven, what was done to you. And with that in mind, I revisit the whole book and all the emotions keep coming up. I mean, look, let me tell you how bad it got. <laughs> The emotions came to life, and it was anger. 
When I got on the road to go to work, I was blowing my horn. Everybody need to get out of my way because I'm driving like a bat out of hell. Right. I was so angry. The emotions were coming to life. And I was just so upset. How did he let me revisit this? Why couldn't he be on the road so I could hit his car? I need to hit him. The, mm. They were coming out of me. Yeah. I didn't realize that all of that was bottled inside of me. And as it came out of me, I cried. I mean, I cried. I was crying every day. I was so angry. My boys could tell you. Mm. I was just so angry. But then as I kept writing and I revisited, excuse me, the crying stopped. Mm. And when the crying stopped, the healing started. Mm. And so, and I said that to tell you is that that is what the part I want people to remember about my book. Mm. One God can use you no matter who you are, no matter how angry, no matter how shameful, no matter how hurt, no matter what is it that's going on inside of you, even when you think you're not good enough. And anything that man take away from you, God could give it back. I told you, I was working for government as an auditor. Mm -hmm. I lost my job, but I still work for government as an auditor today. Mm. How profound is that? I mm. mean, where have you ever heard of anything like that? Because the job was meant to sustain me while I do what he wants me to do. Mm -hmm. And mm. so when I I finished wrote the book and the healing came about he wasn't done yet mm -hmm. book two was written right after this was published because he was just speaking to me and he mm -hmm. was like okay mm -hmm. we're not done with the healing yet we have other things that you didn't put in this book that need to come out so the healing could continue mm -hmm. and some of the things that God had me look at I had to write about it. That's where my inspiration come from writing. That's where I'm going with this. That's where it come from writing because this, the work that he wants me to do, I had to live it. Mm. I had to experience that so I could speak about it. When you ask me about the depression and mm -hmm. you're saying I need to go out there and experience say is the best teacher. It is. I've life. gone through some things in my life mm -hmm. and it, when I tell some people, they look at me, they're like, no, not you. I said, yes, me. Yes, me. I went to the homeless center where I stayed at, and I spoke to the people that were there, and I said, I was right here. I don't even think anybody believed me that I used to stay at that homeless center. Mm. I said, yes, I was here. I was one of you sitting here listening to somebody else speak. And they were like, no, not yes, I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth, no. Mm -hmm. But once I got to the point where I said, I'm going to be obedient to what God wants me for life, I felt a peace within my soul I never felt in my life. Mm -hmm. Never felt in my life. I enjoy writing. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing about writing. I never thought about being a writer. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> All through my years in college, I hear everything the professors could say. Oh, I can't even tell what your story is about. You over here, you over here, you all over there. Mm -hmm. And they were saying, you got to stick to the topic. And they were like, oh, your grammatical levels. There were so many things that they were saying. And for me to write a book, I tell people, that is not me. That is God. <laughs> he inspired me to write the book because he wants to use me for a greater purpose that's bigger than me. Mm -hmm. And so I just have to let it go and let him. Mm -hmm. That's what I have to do. But trust me, I wrote the, here's another part that is so funny. I wrote the book and then I didn't want to tell it. Anybody, I wrote a book. Wow. <laughs> because so I was he was hoping so, you up all the way. I was shamed, so ashamed of what I put in there. You mm -hmm. know, people knowing I was in a homeless center, people knowing that I was hungry, I didn't have a car or anything. My husband left me. Mm -hmm. I didn't want anybody to know about the book. And this lady said to me, 
you know how many people gonna know you write a book? It's on Amazon, and you're still trying to cover it up even with your yeah. coworkers. <laughs> so you see, I was still trying to be disobedient, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I just had to just let it go. I just mm-hmm. had to just let it go. And you said, you know what? It is what it is. Let people know about the book. If it can help others, okay. so be it. And I just say, you know what? I'm not even going to fight anymore. So mm-hmm. I really got to the point where I was tired, and I just said, you know what? Okay, I lost the, the boxing match, and God won. Definitely. <laughs> so that's when inspired me to write my book and that's why there's a book there mm. beautiful amen beautiful um a lot of power and uh strength and overcoming yes. in that <laughs> um you know they say uh I, I always hear the saying that pride is the follow man um and sometimes we can have a lot of pride in, into ourselves false pride um that will hinder us um from moving on um mm-hmm. You know, and again, there goes that ego thing or something that we feel like we should be out there doing, but it's not God's purpose for us. And if he wants to sit us down, he's going to sit us down and we yes. have to listen in order to overcome. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to welcome Adrian to the show. What's going hey, on, co-host? <laughs> How are you, sir? I didn't really know where to sit at, bro. So I kinda you might have to get a chair from, uh, from, 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 no, you can get, yeah, from uh, one of those other rooms or ask one of those. Um, co-host Adrian is joining the show, y'all. Just hard days of uh, work for him earning his money. Um, but Takumba, I want to go ahead and um, get into into your book, um, The Arts of Joseph, um, and uh, kind of what led you um, to, you know, discuss Joseph. Uh, so, you know, go ahead and talk about it, and then I'll ask you the follow-up question. Sure. So, you know, it, it's ironic, the synergy in the room, right? Mm-hmm. I think, Brother Shep, what you, hit, what you said last speaks to me and speaks to the reason uh, that I wrote the book, the inspiration behind the book. Mm-hmm. And as I was listening to Minister Charles and Dr. Taylor, mm-hmm. it, it occurred to me that what the Lord was doing, and, and this is what we struggle with as writers, right? Mm-hmm. Not just as visionaries and so on, but as writers, right? Mm-hmm. Is that, uh, is, is the Lord, do you, uh, must you submit the first draft? Right. So all of us as writers struggle with additional drafts. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. And what I hear you talking about with the ego is, are you able that let, let's use the, the, the ego really is 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 basically our psyche. Mm-hmm. But, we, but we, what we really mean in the popular sense is the negative, mm-hmm. the narcissistic tendencies that mm-hmm. we have. Exactly. And I think what I hear you saying is, are you able to submit your tendencies, tendencies. to God exactly. for additional revisions, exactly. right? For additional drafts, mm-hmm. which is exactly what's going on with Joseph, mm-hmm. right? Because at 17, Joseph has a dream. And I would submit to you that there was a time in which you had a dream. Mm-hmm. And there's time that, that Minister Hawes had a dream. At times when Dr. Taylor had a dream. Or Barack Obama, dreams of my father, Dr. Dr. King, I had a dream. But I think what happens is, is that when we have a dream, oftentimes we are at the center of the dream in terms of the first draft. And I think what happens in subsequent drafts mm-hmm. is that the Lord takes us out of the center and moves us to the margins. That as long as we are the center of the dream, God's purposes cannot be worked through our lives. So what happens is at 17, Joseph says, it's very interesting language in Genesis 37. See the dream I have had. Mm. Critical word is I. I. The narcissism. You, you talked about pride being the fall of man. Mm-hmm. 
But if you really look at it in terms of his dream, that never again do we have in the Bible for the rest of Genesis any other dream that Joseph had. I think one of the lessons is the next time there's a dreamer, it's not him. They are the butcher and the baker in prison after he goes to the pit and to Potiphar's house and now he's in the prison. Somebody else has a dream and because of his being disciplined and chastised, his being gracefully broken, him going through his several Job moments, he has to now say, does God not have the power to determine dreams? It's no longer about his eye. Mm -hmm. It's about God. Mm -hmm. And then they forget him, which means that even after you see God, you got to go through other drafts, other revisions, other seasons of chastening. Right. So now he's forgotten this person that's supposed to remember him forgets him and going through this kind of thing. People will forget you. What's the point? Just because you have a great idea, you have a great project, you have a great podcast, you have a great book does not mean the world is going to stand by and clap for you. Mm -hmm. That's part of God's chastening that sometimes you will have something that's good. And nobody is going to open their door and you're going to have to stay there with God in the prison until the until God says it's time to promote you. It's time to release your book. It's time for you to start your podcast. It's time for you to get married. It's time for you to go to another level because, again, you have to go through the authentication process. Mm -hmm. But when God decides to give Pharaoh a dream that nobody around him with all of their qualifications can decipher and interpret. Now, God is saying, now I don't got you out of the way Mm -hmm. now you come clean up joseph because when he interprets the dream the next question by pharaoh is search for somebody who can now bring the dream into reality Mm -hmm. there's no other person but joseph so the point i'm trying to make is you see what the journey is first it's his dream gotcha later on he realizes it's never his dream Mm -hmm. right it's god's dream Mm -hmm. how many times do we have dreams as children and everybody around us is clapping Right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes your mom may say, go on, be that quarterback, go on, be that cheerleader. But it's really not about you having a dream. What what I what I heard the preacher say is don't follow your dream. Follow Jesus Mm -hmm. and your dream will follow you Mm -hmm. after it's gone through the processing of God. And I think that's sort of what we're about, those subsequent drafts. Mm -hmm. So now the 10th draft can be ready for public use. Otherwise, what can happen? And I'll, I'll end by this. You can become the prodigal son and get something that is for you too early. And my brother, you can take it, the money, the power. And that's what happens in politics. That's what happens in church, that people take something that may be for them, but they may not be mature enough to handle that level of power and influence. And now what do they do? They abuse everybody around them. And so that's what I think the authentication process is about and the chastening process. So now you really understand that these books are about the kingdom, about God putting the book or the publication or the ministry or the business where God wants to put them. And it's a painful process. And final thing I'll say is it's easier said than done, mm-hmm. right? Because I can guarantee you as soon, and I'll just be autobiographical for a moment as we turn it over to my brother. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you as soon as I leave this door, I guarantee you that I will have two knocks on my door of my mind. One door is going to be from Satan and going to say, you were really great. You've made it now. You were sitting with Shep and with Minister Charles and with Dr. Taylor. And that knock is going to tell me now relax because you've arrived. 
But I guarantee you, I have to say no or turn that volume down. And then I have to turn up the volume to say, yeah, you were on Shep's show, but I'm going to meet you right now at 2 o'clock in the morning in your study, and you're going to get on your knees. Because there's somebody I need you to pray for. I need you to do some fasting. I need you to humble yourself before this other spirit comes and destroys your destiny. And many preachers don't want to make that confession. Many people who are successful don't want to make that confession that, that, that we have to go back to the valley. We have to go back to the cross so that what, whatever the devil is setting us up for does not happen. And the only person that can break that from me is the Holy Spirit. So I submit that. I need, and I need y'all to pray that when we leave, we go and meet God at the backside of the desert where God says, there's still some stuff I need to remove from you. Before you destroy, before pride gets a hold of you. Because he's going to come. See, the devil's going to come. It's not a question of, if he came to Jesus, he's coming to me. Mm-hmm. He's coming to you. Mm-hmm. But we have to talk about that and say, now, now maybe when we leave here, maybe we need to go into prayer mm-hmm. and cover ourselves. Otherwise, we just go out there. And what we hear so much is people who have risen and have fallen. Why? Because of pride. Mm-hmm. And pr- pride does not announce itself loudly. It's quiet. Mm-hmm. It comes to you and makes you just start becoming autobiographical. Yeah. So... I just want to submit that. First thing is, um, <clears throat> you know, what I what I what I what I took from that was when you said that here might hear the dream that I had. Absolutely. And if he didn't submit himself in order to see what God had for him, he wouldn't have been able to interpret that dream. Amen. Be, and God had something Ooh, bigger. You talking about you preaching now, Doc. Can I preach this on Sunday as we go into Thanksgiving? <laughs> because he was full of himself. He did, And God yes. had a bigger plan that affected so many other people with that dream that he wanted him to be able to do. So it was two things in one. And that's very, um, very powerful um, and profound. Adrian, what's going on? Hey, hey Adrian. <laughs> Hello, what's going on? Nothing much, man. Um, thank you. You know, you joining the show, man. Um, joining the show. How was work, bro? How works good today. You know, okay. I'm tiresome. You know. All right. It was good though, man. It was good. Same, it's weird sitting on this side of the table. Though. <laughs> I'm normally where you sit at. So really? I, yeah. No, no, listen. I can lower myself. No, you can no, tell no, them, no, this no, is no, show, no, man. no, no. This is just. It's just. I just ain't never said. I ain't never been on this perspective of it before. This is nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. It's good to see it be on the other side of the table. But so, I'm good. So um, this is uh, Dr. Taylor. Hello. Um, Minister Charles is on the uh, phone. Okay. Hello. And then uh, this is Pastor uh, Takumbo. How you doing? Bless you, sir. Good. So um, first off, before we uh, jump into the next question, I want to know if there's anything that you had um, that you wanted to maybe discuss with them or questions that you had that you maybe wanted to ask. I guess I got a question. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I might, you know. And, and I'm and I'm serious, and I say this, and I don't want I want y'all to take this weird or nothing like that. How do y'all? Because Paris and I, Paris is probably my most spiritual friend that I have. Okay, you know what I'm saying. So we and we talk about this stuff. So how do y'all get y'all passion for God? Like like legit, where does it come from? Because I believe, don't get me wrong, and I believe Jesus died for me, came from my sins, but. Like I hear you, like I walk in, I hear you speak, and I'm like, wow, she really, she feeling, and I feel what you're saying, and I hear you speak, and I hear Paris speak, but that passion ain't there for me. Comes differently for different people. Yeah, I get in my car and I turn on my gospel music, and I am totally in this zone. 
Mm-hmm. Even when I was writing, I put my earbuds in and I listened to gospel music. Mm-hmm. And that's mostly when God speaks to me because I block everything out. Mm-hmm. And it becomes a moment between him and I. Right. And it's just in that moment where he's telling me what to write. Mm-hmm. And I hear him clearly. But if I don't have that quiet time, it's the noise overpowers <laughs> it. And the noise could be the children. It could be my phone ringing all the time. Mm-hmm. It could be the devil playing on my mind. That noise could come in any form. But mm-hmm. my time with him comes where I get into my music and I just listen to him quietly and it's mm-hmm. me and him. And then when work, my life become overwhelming and I'm getting really tired mm-hmm. mentally, I know that I'm not spending enough time with him. So I need to get back into that quiet place. Gotcha. Because then it's so easy for the devil to keep in. But you have mm-hmm. to find what works with. That's for me. Some people, it, it's different. They could be reading the word. They could be praying. But for me, mm-hmm. it's the music. The music. music does it for me, yeah? Yeah. And I mean, like, I guess maybe I could try that too. Because, like, but, like, I didn't try different things. Like, even, like, sometimes I, I hear people say, like, when they kind of go, like, even when they have, like, hard times and stuff like that, they kind of come back closer home. Like, I, I felt like I had hard times, you know what I'm saying? But it's just hard for me to, like, zone in all the way. You know what I mean? It's and hard it's for me to get there. it's not going to come just like that. Right. No, it's going to be, it, it's it's a, a repeated process. You have to keep repeating the process because I remember when I gave my life to God, I woke up and I was like, oh, man. Damn, I didn't change. Nothing changed. Still <laughs> I'm like, I'm waiting for something to happen, something so profound, and you see a big difference. Nothing mm-hmm. changed. But you have to keep going back, keep going back, because God wants to see if we're faithful to him mm-hmm. or we're just putting on a sugar. Some people, they will, like I have a friend of mine who, you know, sick and one sick you know is listening to the music and praying right. but then as soon as it got better go right back <laughs> right, it's, right. it's a repeated process that you have to keep doing it over and over and all of us has to go through that even pastor will tell you I'm sure that he have to go through that mm-hmm. the minute you take your eyes off God your, it, it, your life is different. It, it changes. You mm-hmm. suddenly start to feel really tired mm-hmm. and you're getting really irritated with everything mm-hmm. because you take your eyes off God. Like for me, when, when my fibromyalgia acts up mm-hmm. and I'm praying to God and I'm like, by your stripes, I am healed. Mm-hmm. And then I feel okay. Though the pain is still there, I feel okay. Like I could carry it, I could go through it. But I know the moment that I'm not putting it on him, mm-hmm. it, it, it's just totally different. The pain is more intense. Mm-hmm. It's about keep repeating the same process, keep going to him, going to him, because you never get to a point in life where you don't need him. Yeah, and so like, like I go back to the point where you said like, like you said you had your friend, like she'd be sick. Right. And then she come home, you know what I'm saying? Then she back better, then she kind of, right you know, kind of yeah. veer off. So I think that's some of where I be at with it. Like, I don't think I'm doing, I don't think I'm doing nothing wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like nothing, you know, egregious. Like I'm just intentionally doing the wrong stuff. But I be feeling like, I don't, I, I be feeling like I, it's, it's no point in me of faking it. You know what I mean? Like if it's not, like I, I know if I'm not, I don't want to. I don't want to be like sick, or if I'm broke, or if I'm, I'm hurt, or I'm down right now. I don't want to be like, oh yeah, I'm about to try to come back now, knowing that it's not in my heart to do that. But I feel like I'm just asking just to get me through something. Like, I guess I feel like when I want to come in, I need to make sure I'm all the way right and ready to come. 
So are you saying that you feel like you need to, <clears throat> uh, it, like it's better for you to come to you when you're on top or or you think it's more um, authentic if you come to him when you're, you know, you got when things are controlling your life rather than you just coming to him when things are not in control of your life? Is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah, and that's some of it. I mean, but right now I feel like I'm in a spot where I'm in control of my life. So, like right now, I mean, I'm in, I feel like I'm in a good spot. Like if I came to him right now, it wouldn't, I wouldn't feel as if I was coming just because my yeah, car broke you're down. you're in control. Yeah, right. I, ain't, I know I'm not. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I know. I, and, that, and that's where I say I, I know I believe because I know if he want this gone from me right now, it'll be gone. It'll be gone. So I'm not that. I'm not that arrogant of thinking that you know what I mean that is there. But my like I said, my 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 main thing is more is less the passion. You know what I mean? Like when I just see people have that passion for it, it's just weird because it's just not. I just don't see it in my. I just don't. See, I just don't see it, or I don't feel it almost, and and, and it's just kind of weird. So I, I just I was just kind of just wonder how y'all channeling it. You know what I mean? More or less, like you said, yours is with the music. You yes. can kind of get locked in. So I was just wanting the ways to where I need to. I guess I don't feel like I'm forcing it in. You know what I mean? So I, I guess that's that's just my question about it. You know what I mean? Minister Charles, did you did, I think did, did you want to explore help us explore that passion? Because you have a lot of it. I think he took his phone. Oh. Yeah, he took his phone. Pastor. Can't hear. Okay. So allow me allow me a sort of a biblical take on it. Mm -hmm. Um it could be this is a hypothesis. I'm not saying that I've heard from God on this. Mm -hmm. I'm just going by experience and study and mm -hmm. when I've heard these kinds of questions emerge. Yeah. So a lot of times God waits to see when someone is ready before God opens up certain doors. Mm -hmm. You've heard the Chinese proverb that says, when the student is ready, the teacher will emerge. Right. Okay. So w one of the things that happens to us is that in our finite, fickle, fallen state, Mm -hmm. So these are some of the presuppositions I bring to life based on my Christian training. Mm -hmm. What happens is that there is nothing in the syllabus of the satanic that wants us to be passionate about God. Mm -hmm. So first of all, we have to recognize that that's part of just being human. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because what happens is to be human is to be passionate about the things of God and not of God. Just like somebody can be passionate about what you offer them and not get to know you. Mm -hmm. Follow what I'm saying? Yeah. So the point I'm trying to make is, is that that's a non-judgmental, non-prescriptive state. I'm just describing the state of human beings. Mm -hmm. Now, what you what 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 tends to happen is, you almost have to visit the part of you that is not satisfied. And what God will do is that He will wait to see Moses. He will make this, wait to see if you see a burning bush and you can turn aside from your routine and ritual everydayness, mm -hmm. right? See, so what God does is he doesn't necessarily pull people from the pit to the palace or from the sea to the chalet. 
what he does is he may get you out of the seat, but then he waits to see, do you want to go back or are you going to have a moment to hear from him? If you watch the Moses scenario in the Bible, mm -hmm. he was doing what he was, had been doing. It wasn't that things were bad with him. Mm -hmm. So so one of the things that we we got to be careful of as writers or as writers on these kinds of topics is mm -hmm. is to, <clears throat> I want to disabuse people from that, that everything has to be going bad in order for God to, to release you. Sometimes the deception is things can be going well, exactly. mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because you're now comfortable. Mm -hmm. So what God will do is he will say, can you now register a degree of discomfort with your comfortability in order for him to emerge and show you great and wondrous things that you do not know? Mm -hmm. It could be that this may be a moment in which you may have to turn aside from some things that you're used to just to be in silence and give God some time. Because regardless of things going well, there are still some things that may not be whole. Mm -hmm. It could be with a child. It could be with your girlfriend or wife. It could be unresolved issues with your father. It could be money issues. It could be you want to pursue a business or a career or education. Whatever it is, God will say, I need you to turn aside and God will give you a burning bush. What is a burning bush? A burning bush is something that is usual in your life, but is expressing something unusual. Mm -hmm. You feel me? So when you pay attention, God will say, now I'm going to begin to take you through a, some exercises to show you, yes, you are someplace now, but where I'm trying to take you is so much greater than when you are. The point I'm trying to make is another way to put it is like Gideon, put out your fleece and let God show you some things in your ordinary fleece that only God can do. Because here's what happens, right? What, what, what the feeling of satiety right now or satisfaction or contentment right now, what the, what the devil will do is make you think it's going to last. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to wake up one day and think, oh, wow, I thought it was going to last and it didn't last. Why? Mm -hmm. Because along the way you didn't fill up your tank. Mm -hmm. So I hope I'm making sense, right? Mm -hmm. And so the point I'm trying to make is, that the passion does not just readily come to anybody. Sometimes mm -hmm. you have to prime the pump mm -hmm. of your passion. Mm -hmm. You have to spend some time negating some things and say, Lord, now I'm going to give you this. Now show up in my life. So sometimes you got to do some work in order for the passion to come. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. that's all I want to say. Mm -hmm. I hope that's helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> from, from my experience, um, what I can say is that um, I, 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 a little background story. I grew up um, going to church, um, like you know, like many young kids, and and then I start having Bible studies. So specifically about things that was going on in the Bible at, at about the age of fourteen, mm -hmm. um, and I started. I think that goes to again environment okay. because um, of where of what I was brought up in growing up, right. And then me being able to, at 14, be able to, you know, go to Bible studies every Sunday and Saturday to learn. That's an environmental thing because a lot of yeah, people don't absolutely. have that. Mm -hmm. So, again, that's something that maybe not, maybe it did come from God. Maybe it came from, um, you know, the people that was around me. But someone wanted me to be in that vicinity. And I was there. <laughs> so, at 14. So, then after that, what, what happened is... Um, I, I start growing up in the world, okay? I, I grow up, I become 18, I move out, get on my own, then I wither away, right? Mm. I start, I start uh, you know, doing, you know, you know worldly things, um, you know, being a young kid growing up, 
and 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 doing and doing those things. And the more that I started doing those things, the less I start thinking and thinking about God. That that's, wasn't on my mind. Amen. You know what I mean? That because I, I, that's that's where I was at. But there came a time where something happened. Wow. That burning bush that said, "Nah, this is wrong, and you need to change." Wow. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I felt that when I moved back, when I was coming back to Dayton. Right. Mm-mm-mm. Actually, what happened was I got fired. I'm going to be honest. OK, I got fired from Foot Locker. Right. Because of the things that the mischievous things I was doing there, um, you know, and I lost my job. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. it just wasn't that. It was other things that I was doing mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. But see, I had a chance to become a district manager in training. OK. okay. And this is something that I was just naturally great at. And it was a passion of mine, but that got taken from me. Being a salesman, me. being an All entrepreneur. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So it got taken from me, though. Mm-hmm. And and I think when that when I lost that and it got taken from me like that, um, it was a time for me to sit down. And yeah. time, I, I, I didn't yeah. have any, I didn't have anything, el- anything else to do really. So I ended, I ended up getting the opportunity to become a business manager at U.S. Bank, and I had to move back to Dayton. Right, okay. didn't want to move back, but I had to, mm-hmm. right? Because that's what that's what accepted me. But when I came back. I said that I'm. I don't want to be the same person that I was, that I was when I was in Columbus. I need to make a change for the better. <laughs> so I ended up being, you know, getting married and those type of things. But that's what got me back to giving my life to Christ and trying to be uh, a better person. And my thirst and hunger and all of those things came back. And it's not necessarily something that it just, um, you know, like some magic trick or something like that. I purposely try to make sure. That I am submissive to him daily. Amen. That's an yeah. act that Amen. I choose to go and do. And he may have put that in my heart, but it's something that I physically really, really try to do. And that's what I think that he was saying was that it's something that you have to really put effort in as well. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. something that just mm-hmm. that uh, that just just comes. You know what I mean? And you, you have to, again, see that burning bush and then realize what it is saying to you. And then when you get that, there's your opportunity. You may have more than more than one opportunities. I know I've had plenty, um, but mm-hmm. you know it's uh, it's definitely that that's what happened with me. So, no, I can see it, and I can see myself having them opportunities. But I guess I just got to be more vigilant, and not even be more vigilant, but just be more open to them when they come to me, more than, more than anything else. So. Um, you know, but, but I already know God's going to use you mightily. I can already God tell you, you're heart, talented, don't bro. Worry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Minister uh, Charles, we were, um, um, I know that I had to charge my phone a little bit. My phone is always dead. Yeah, it's time to upgrade, man. <laughs> yeah, I got an eight plus still. Yeah, it's time. I, you know, you know, you know, <laughs> we, I, I want, I'm going to come to you, Miss Charles, and ask you a question. I just wanted to say something real quick. How I treat my cell phones is like, um. You know, you got some you got some people when you get up in age. I was one of those ones that like to buy clothes all the time, right? And then you got some people you you get older and then it's like, nah, I just need one pair of jeans, I need one pair of white shoes, one pair of black shoes. That's how I am with the iPhone. Long as this eight plus works, I'm good. I don't need I don't need nothing thirteens and all that. Um, okay. I know that you're flattering. Yeah, normally I would That's me. No, normally I would give you this, but this phone dies rapidly. This is, but I don't it, charge it at night broken, either, though. Don't break it. Yeah. No, it, but it's not working because it's not it's properly. Working? He's on five percent. He yeah. is two words away from that thing dying. He needs to get it. Up. <laughs> he, needs, he needs to upgrade. At least upgrade the back. 
You didn't even go to four. You went straight to three. Let me stop talking before the phone go dead. So Minister get Charles, we were discussing. Uh, Adrian, Adrian awesome. um, had a question, and he was. Uh, oh yeah, we can uh, we can put it on yours as well. Okay. Um, he had a question, and the question um, was, where does the passion uh, from God, um, you know, that thirst come from? Um, and uh, we kind of wanted to hear your words on that. What What do you think? Let me know when you're ready. Hello? Let me see. Oh, there she is. Yeah, but I should be able to hear her through here. Hi, Minister Charles. There she is. Okay, you guys were, I couldn't hear a lot of things that were happening. I couldn't really hear. I heard a lot of um, sounds, but I couldn't make out what you were saying. Okay, but so let me just make sure I understand what you're asking. Mm-hmm. Um, Yes. Yes. Uh, how do I build up? Okay. Um, <clears throat> I surround myself with like-minded people. Mm. Keep my circle small. Um, no, <laughs> that is that's not to say I I don't try to reach out to a lot of people. But the people who are my cabinet, if yes. you will, I keep that very small, and I do. We we encourage each other. Um, I, I've, one of the things that I uh, participate in is a prayer service that we Miss Charles we're calling you um, from Dr. Taylor's phone Miss Charles we're calling you from Dr. Taylor's phone. I apologize. Could you answer that, please? I'm trying to call answer. Okay. Hello. I'm get, I'm giving, I'm get, I'm calling you again. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. The new iPhone 13 battery like crazy. Just throwing it out there to you, shot. Just throwing it out there. Tell us she'd have to hang up from you. You first. would probably have to hang up from me and then call back in, and then I'll be able to. You could call Doctor. You could call uh, Doctor Ta- uh, Taylor's phone. All right, no problem. So yeah, you said that. You said the iPhone. You said it has a great battery life. Great battery life. It, but that's not that. I just don't charge my phone at night. Uh, okay. So that's kind of that's that's on that's on my fault. Get but it, it ain't got nothing to do with that though. Just take the keep the same phone. Just go get the batteries. My, my thing back. is though. Why, okay. So hear me out. How better can the camera be? What's so different about the phone? There she is. I, I mean, I get that, but it's a different conversation for another day. But okay. you you need a new battery though, <laughs> for sure. Dark. Okay, I'm here. All okay. right, sorry about that. Sorry about that. Um, so you, um, we, I kind of left off, and you were, um, you were doing your soliloquy. So, uh, could you go ahead and pick up for us, please? Thank you. Yeah, but I don't know up to what point you heard me. <laughs> so. Um, just we can just start from scratch because there was a lot going on at that point. So we can just start from the beginning. Okay. Um, what I was saying is that my passion for Christ is uh. Is fanned into flame 
because of the people that I keep, you know, I surround myself with like-minded people. And I also keep my circle small, my inner circle. Mm-hmm. Now, that is not to say that I don't have a lot of acquaintances and friends and that I don't do a lot of kingdom building. But in order to um, revive my spirit and keep myself uh, fired up in the spirit, I, I, um, I surround myself with like-minded spirits. And so uh, one of the things that I do is that I, we have a, um, a prayer service, a prayer group. Mm-hmm. that we meet and, and pray regularly and we just encourage each other we bring up any concerns that we have i i do that with some of the uh, members of my church as well as my family mm-hmm. now i'm sure you've heard the um the expression what satan means for um, evil god will turn it for good and so uh for and um, Pastor Adelkan, know that I just lost a family member. Actually, we've lost several, but um, the latest one hit really hard. Uh, my nephew, and I'll be traveling to Florida on Friday to attend his funeral. Mm-hmm. But uh, what God happened? Bless you, my sister. Thank you, thank you. So what happened there was that uh, he was in the hospital for a while. He lingered on. He fought the battle. We and. Uh, we prayed and we were hoping that God would, would um, you know, spare his life and that he would be able to be with us longer. But it was his turn to go. And so he eventually succumbed. But what, you know, the enemy thought that we were going to give up and we were going to uh, despair. We were going to, you know, just, you know, throw in the towel. But what happened out of that was that our family drew so close, uh, ever, ever closer we actually had a 40-day prayer vigil out of that um, every night. And, and members of my family who were always afraid to pray in front of others, somehow they developed the, the courage and the strength to pray. And uh, we have formed a tight bond now that uh, we have said that uh, uh, since, the, you know, even after the 40-day uh, vigil was over, we made a commitment. Well, now the sisters used to always meet every week. I have a. I, I'm from a large family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are <laughs> my my mother and father had ten children together, mm-hmm. eight girls and two boys. So wow. we have a sister circle that we we meet together every week, and so we decided to bring the the guys in, <laughs> and so the the guys decided that after the sisters' prayer on every Thursday night. That we just lead right into the general prayer for the family. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, things like that help us to keep our passion strong. Definitely. When we, we, we stay close, we bear each other's burdens, we pray for each other, we pray for others. Mm-hmm. You know, these are the things that help us to keep our passion for Christ alive. Well, well. They, um, they say birds of a feather flock together. So uh, <laughs> what what I, what I can say is is that that one thing that I that I did also um, was I wanted to develop a under a deeper understanding as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my passion always came not necessarily from just going to church but actual Bible study. Absolutely. I wanted yeah. to yeah. learn and understand yeah. what was going on in scripture from Genesis yeah. to Revelation. A powerful curiosity. Yeah. So um with that I prayed, and, and this is something that you mentioned, um, uh, Minister Charles, that I prayed to surround me for God to eliminate people 
mm-hmm. that distract me from him and <laughs> to bring people in my life that can yeah. bring me closer to him and have me ha- help me develop a deeper understanding. Amen. Um, yeah. And then I also understood that, you know, as, as, as I start to go on my journey and again, I've, I've, I've failed many times still. Um, but as I as I go, I say, hey, I learned that, you know, sacrifice um, is key. You know, you have yeah. to again, I always some get back things. to this. Yeah. Some things just have to go. You have to be able yeah. and but you have to be able to realize that um, and to give those things away for a greater purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Um, you know, those are those are definitely big things um, that, you know, as far as my personal experience of what I of what I've done or what I continue to do. So, yeah. Yes. Amen. Um, Praise God. So any other questions? Bridget, I sent you a text. OK. OK. Yeah. Uh, nah, not right now. I mean, that was, that's just my big one. So okay. I'm saying that's just my big one, because that's the one I feel that's the one I, I kind of feel bad about. Like, I just, it's just, like you said, he has the curiosity. It just don't be, it just don't be there. But like, so, well, I, so, and, but we had talk about it. And then like, you know, he had talk, he'd bring it to me. You know what I'm saying? So we had talk about it. You, I never shunned him away from a conversation or nothing Amen. about it. No, mm-hmm. nothing like that. So, you know what I mean? We had talk about it. We go back and forth about stuff. It's just, I got, I, it's not like I just got to work on me a little bit too. Maybe I'm just expecting it to come too easy. Like I, I'm not, I'm not seeking it enough. Well, at all. I would love to talk to you more, man. We we go have some coffee or something. Yeah, uh, have some chicken. Let's wrap. You know, Uh, let's wrap. So I got a question um, about right now. We we know that we were in a pandemic, um, Mm -hmm. and um, with that, a lot of things changed um, during those times. Um, And one of those things that uh, may have been affected is the church. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to ask, you know, the three of you, um, you know. What did what effect did COVID nineteen have? Um, you know, good. Uh, some some things are positive as well that came from that. But what do you think is the biggest change? Um, you know, in the church or the effect of COVID nineteen to the church? Minister Charles, go ahead because you're you're Methodist and you're on the East Coast, and I would like to hear the innovative things you guys were doing in, in, in that in that corner of the world. Please go right ahead, and then. At the disadvantage because um, Dr. Taylor told me he sent me a text. I was responding to her, so I, I kind of got caught off guard. Okay, I confess. No, <laughs> no problem. problem. We, no we problem. all we are two okay. or three so, are gathered. Yeah. Mm. So you, you, the question is, what are some of the things that we're doing to come uh, during uh, COVID nineteen to? Uh, I'm sorry. Well, could you just? Yeah, I'll go ahead. No, no problem. Um, the question was. You know, what effects did COVID-19 have um, on the church? And that can be positive and, you know, maybe okay. negative. All right. Well, there's, there's positives and negatives. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the negatives, I'll start with the negatives first so we can rejoice in the positives. Mm-hmm. Uh, the negatives are that a lot of people, and I will say a lot, are afraid to return to church. Mm-hmm. We have since opened the church and um, we have service in person. Of course, we have a mask mandate. Um, but a lot of people are afraid to attend. We, you know, even though we make sure that we sanitize and we t- take all the precautions, mm-hmm. um, social distancing and all that. And we also not only offer, so, so what we do to combat that is that we offer in-person service as well as uh, Facebook Live and uh, YouTube. Mm-hmm. 
So those are some of the things that we do right now. And one of the one of the um the good things that has come out of this is that people from all over are mm-hmm. joining, mm-hmm. you know, joining in worship. It's not just limited to the sanctuary anymore. We have people from all over and Surprisingly, the offering is still, you know. <laughs> Amen <laughs> to that. Bring all so, the tithes into the storehouse. Tithes, I suppose. Yes, praise God. So uh, that's that's what's happening up here. Okay. What do you think? Um, how did how has COVID nineteen impacted you? Um, with as far as um, you know, church or Bible studies and things like that. How, what effect um, has it had on your life? Me? No, Personally, I'm talking to, uh, I'm sorry. He's talking to me. I'm talking, Jeff. yes, I'm talking oh, to Dr. Taylor. No okay. Problem. As far as what I'm doing for God's kingdom, it has a positive impact. Okay. I'm able to do a lot that I would not have been able to do going into the office. Good. As far as church goes, still positive. Mm-hmm. Good. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. Um, I get on <laughs> service and it's really good. I don't have to leave home mm-hmm. and drive to church, so it's really good. And I could um, attend two services because I have two churches that I attend to. Mm. I attend and it's really good. With, without COVID, I have to go and I can only attend one. So Definitely. this way I attend two because they start at different times. So it's really good. I'm, I'm getting that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Positive for me all around. Definitely. Um, for me, I'll go ahead and, uh, speak on it as well. Um, you know, I think it's positive, um, because I don't church, church, um, the, the building is great to gather and to brethrenize with, you know, your fellow believers in Christ. Um, but I think that, that what, what, what gets lost sometimes is people think that they have to be there in order to, um, get the word or speak or speak to or, or to to get close to God, really, that's a personal thing and that's a one on one thing. And the body is the church. We are we are essentially the church. The building is a place that we can just come and worship together. Um, so, I think what COVID nineteen did was it actually highlighted that. And for me personally, I started doing my own Bible studies um, during those times when it was down. I started to you know do my own personal Bible studies and bring and bring that into my home. And that was something that I was able to develop. Who knows if I would have. Um, had the gumption to go and do so um, if if COVID-19 didn't happen. Um, another thing is, as far as the, the church in itself, um, it allows people to uh, view things from, like you said, from different uh, platforms, um, from different places across the world. So I think the church and pastors and, and things like that are being able to reach uh, more people um, as well. So... I definitely think it um it's a definitely a positive um in my opinion. Um but I'll let the uh pastor uh you know give his thoughts on it. So so yeah, this is a huge topic. Um I'm humbled by it. Um what I would say is that it that there are a couple of things. I I use the word mask and what I mean by that is this. The what COVID does is that if you are probably an innovative thinker like you, you guys are energetic, it probably sets up the conditions for you to be even more creative, right? As, as they say, necessity is the mother of invention, mm-hmm. right? And so when the, you know, when, when the times get tough, the tough get going. And so one of the things that we found is that it has really highlighted the need 
for multi-generational ministry. That's the M, mm. right? But that, that, that if the church is going to be healthy, you need multi-generational ministry. Why, why is that important? Mm -hmm. Because you need, in order for you to grow, mm -hmm. you need to be able to relate to people, I would argue, in a healthy way, 15, mm -hmm. 20 years older than you, 15, 20 years younger. Pre-COVID, people got into their church silos. The young people's church over here, the traditional church over here, the old people's church over here. So what has happened in many churches is it has compelled us, right, mm -hmm. to go online and on site. Mm. I think the other thing about about the, 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 the now the downside of it is, though, that we have to be careful that it does not create, uh, if you will, ecclesiastical laziness, whereby people are, just wake up, get your coffee, turn on your your Zoom, turn on the YouTube and then you just relax. Mm. So we have to guard against the laziness that 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 can go along with with being online. Mm -hmm. um, but but what I think that we have to get ready for is this. We're still in the in the pandemic. And I think that what it also makes us do is it makes us be creative in regards to the kind of time that we spend with God. Because here's the thing that COVID cannot do. COVID cannot create the need for you to grow spiritually. And one of the things that I'm, that, and I'll be honest with you, one of the things that I'm afraid of is for people to come, come through the pandemic and have not learned the lessons mm. that they were supposed to learn spiritually. Mm -hmm. Because here's what I found, right, about human tendency. The first two months of the pandemic, March 2020 to about April, May 2020, around Easter, I noticed a lot of people flocking to our online systems, Facebook and YouTube. And you got a sense that people were humbling themselves before the Lord. Oh, what have we done wrong? The nation needs to go into mourning. The nation needs to go into repentance. And then, you know what, we kind of got comfortable and attitudes really didn't change. And so what is happening now with the mass and all of these kind of things is you find to some people, they've gone from nastiness to no nobility. But some people have become worse. Mm -hmm. And we have to recognize the fact that maybe if we're not careful, we may be facing another set of tempestuous conditions. I pray that the church really humbles itself so that we can lead the nation into humbling itself and we can come out of this thing because the, the one thing that COVID has not done is thoroughly uh, uh, created the conditions for us to repent and be humble before God. And so I just leave that that way, that there's some things that we've learned under COVID, mm -hmm. but to my dismay as a prophet of the gospel, I'm not sure that all of us in the church and without have really come out of this thing saying, let me really run for God. And I'm not talking about people who are just living lives ordinarily. I'm talking about people that you, you just, there's a, there seems to be a lack of civility, a lack of decor, a lack of compassion in so many circles, in places that you would expect people to, to show more compassion. And again, let me go back to these books. You find it in the, in the lead character of No Regrets. You find it in, in, in the spiritual autobiography of, of Dr. Taylor, Strength and Weakness. You find that growth in God must involve the quotient and the index of compassion. That if you're not more caring, more loving, more forgiving, I will question whether or not it's God that you met. Mm. You may have met a representative of God. You may have met a, a, a therapist. You may have met a politician. But when you meet God, you really come out. Not that you're perfect, but you're really coming, coming out saying, Lord, I have a short life. 
how do I give more of myself in the service of God and humanity? And I just pray that as we're coming out of this, and, and I'll just go Bible on you. It's very interesting that people use the plagues of Egypt as an analogy for, for the plague of COVID. They called it the plague mm. in 2020. Mm -hmm. But what people forget is there were several plagues that hit Egypt. And mm -hmm. even when the most severe plague hit Egypt, Pharaoh repented for a season for a while. But you know why Pharaoh died? Because his heart was hardened, hardened in the midst of the place. You're a Bible scholar, my brother. You know that, Minister mm -hmm. Charles, Dr. Taylor, you, you, you follow what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. and, and my fear is that we always think that Pharaoh is somebody else in another community, and we don't deal with the Pharaoh, Pharaoh within yes. ourselves. And I don't want other people to get to the promised land, and we die because we clutched onto power, mm -hmm. and we die in the Red Sea. That's my fear as pastor preacher. Mm -hmm. I submit that to you. What are your thoughts, Bible so, scholar? So you're, you, you're you, what you was just saying is leading me into my next question and just kind of teeing it up. And that and it sounded like you were talking about the spirit in the world right now is yes. what you're afraid of or possibly could be afraid of. Yes. So do you are you of the uh, assumption or do you believe that the Antichrist spirit is in the world? Yes, I, I believe that. But I think the Antichrist spirit has been in the world. Okay. Right. The question becomes for me, mm -hmm. um, and, I, and, and, and I'll turn this over to Minister Charles and Dr. Taylor. The question comes for me, are we willing to don our spiritual armor to engage in warfare? Because I think you're, if you're a Christian, you're born into warfare. I think mm -hmm. if you're a human being, you're born into warfare. Mm -hmm. The question is, do you, spiritual warfare is not an option, but spiritual bondage is, mm -hmm. right? And so the, the challenge becomes, are we going to have to lose to the spirit of the Antichrist? Mm -hmm. Or are we going to win? And in order to win, you cannot fight the battle in, on your terms. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, mm -hmm. but are mighty through God, the spiritual, through the pulling down of uh, strongholds. Casting down every vain imagination, pride, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, that raises up against the knowledge of God. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? So if we really know God, there are some things that we need to start moving away from. Mm -hmm. You follow what I'm saying? And so that's that's the exciting thing. So I do think that there's a spirit of Antichrist in the world, but mm -hmm. I also think it's in the church. Mm -hmm. But I think that, that even church people can be blind to it mm -hmm. and always think it's within somebody else or the person that's bothering me and not really deal with what is the Antichrist within me mm -hmm. that is making me more selfish, more narcissistic, more, more power hungry, mm -hmm. always blaming the children, always blaming the spouse, mm -hmm. always blaming the other person for my problems and not humbling myself before, the, before God. I would say this. The Bible says we love to, in all circles of church, yeah. we love to preach Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, we use that to pray, but we forget. Before you pray, you got to humble yourself. Mm -hmm. If you pray without humbling yourself, how do you know it's the God of the Bible you're really praying to? So mm -hmm. my thing is, let's humble ourselves first. Mm -hmm. Then when we pray, we are praying from a position of authenticity, from being gracefully broken and not deceiving ourselves because there's a spirit of deception in the world, mm -hmm, of subterfuge that makes us think we're being in God when we're really being in flesh. Mm -hmm. And so I submit that to you. You got anything to add to that, Dr. Taylor? No, can't touch that one. How about you, Minister Charles? I just want to agree with uh, what he said as far as um, putting on the full armor of God. We mm -hmm. are told that we have to, you know, we have to constantly watch and pray. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, after, after we've done all we can, you know, we just stand and we let God take over. Let him 
Let him fight the battle. But we have to be fully armored. We have to be fully prepared. Amen. And as uh, you know, Pastor Delican just said, it's not just in the world. It is in the church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember one time I said something about that to my pastor, and he gave me a kind of look. Because um, I said, you know what? The enemy comes to church with you on Sunday and sits right next to you. Preach. <laughs> And the thing is, we were sitting on the pulpit, and he was sitting next to me. <laughs> so that was a little, um, that was a little chuckle moment. But um, seriously, though, we have to be very, very careful because you don't know who that next, that person sitting next to you is, or who that person speaking to you is. So you always, always be alert. Can't let your guard down. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Um. So we uh, we got two more questions here, and then we're going to wrap it up, um, you know. And uh, but I just wanted to get these out there because these are questions that I pulled from people, and uh, this is things that they you know wanted to know. Um, this question is: Why is believing in Christ the only way to heaven? I submit to these towering intellectuals, Minister Charles and Dr. Taylor. Well, uh, you know what? I Jesus himself, I, I just quote the words of Jesus. Mm-hmm. I am the way, the yes. truth, and the life. life. Mm-hmm. No one comes to the Father except by me. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, if he says it, I believe it, and that settles it. I think that what I what I tell uh, people that when I have these conversations with it and I'm no, um, you know, scholar or no Ph.D. or anything mm-hmm. like that in this. But what I tell people is that it's faith is we have we all have a choice. Right. Yeah. And uh, we choose rather to believe in to, to believe it is or to believe not. But I tell you this, I would rather err on the side of caution and exactly. say that, hey, because we, without mm-hmm. without reading the Bible, I understand what's right from wrong. Yeah. Naturally, yeah. that's already mm-hmm. in me, right? Mm-hmm. So without even knowing those commandments, I know what I should do and what I should not do. Mm-hmm. But I, I, but I say that I'd rather err on the side of caution that someone died for me mm-hmm. for the bad things that I know that I do mm-hmm. and that 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 he paid that price so I can go in heaven to where it'd be filled with m- milk and honey and all those good things. Mm-hmm. Instead of me err on the caution and say that there is not that. <laughs> and, and now later. Uh-huh. my consequences could be anything. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'd rather have that in my back pocket. Amen. That, yeah. That's what I and that's what I always say. So it's faith bound. It's just about what you choose and to what you want to believe. Yes. You got anything on that, Adrian? I don't like that, bro. <laughs> I ain't gonna hold you. Why not? No, no I, re- I respect it though. But like, like I do believe Christ is the only way. Like mm-hmm. I believe Jesus died for my sins and stuff like that. But I don't want it to feel like it's just an ace in my back pocket. Oh. No, it's not. I not. That's how. I, that's how I interpret that. Like, nah, not not like I can do whatever I want in no, life. No, 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 not that okay, at all. Not that part on it at all. Okay. You say it like. You know, you know, you know the difference between right and wrong right off the rip, mm-hmm. and I feel that because I, I feel like you do, and I feel like most people do because people know, for the most part, you got to be compassionate, you got to be good to people. You you know you know when you're doing wrong, in mm-hmm. mo- mo- most in most cases, m- nine times out of ten, you know you're doing wrong. But I just don't want to believe because I know like oh just in case I'm wrong, like let's say you are wrong, are wrong. I, I'm not. I know we're not. Mm-hmm. If you are wrong, you know then it's, oh then no harm no foul. Nah. You know it's right, and you know it's you know that's it. It, it ain't no, 
it, it just if, if it ain't that you just know it's there christ mm-hmm. lord jesus you know it right off rip it ain't, it ain't no other answer oh, okay i got you but Feel there's me? there's some people who just don't who just don't believe in that yeah but if you believe in if you believe in like Oh, uh, you know, I rather I rather err on this side of it. Then it feel like you didn't ever believe in the first place. I see what you're saying. So you're saying for someone to be like, well, I rather I rather just say that you know you already you feel like you're already a fence setter in the sense of I'm just saying that I'm just saying this just, just in case just, just because I don't want to be wrong. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm riding this. I'm riding. Well, I'm riding this just because I don't want to be wrong. But I don't like that hits my ear bad. I got you. I understand. But okay. God knows. God knows the heart and the mind of every of every exactly. man. So you can't play. You can't. That's why. And that's why there's no point in faking it. Yeah, no, no, that's and no I, point of And I believe that. Now, but, I ain't saying you are, and yeah. I ain't saying you're not in an instance. Mm-hmm. But like when I wrote back to say. When people was like just doing it, just going through the motions, yeah, yeah you wasting your time. Got you, you know it ain't there. So, so my response is yes and no. Okay. My response is yes and no. And this, is, this is what I mean by yes and no. You're honest. I mm-hmm. like that. Yes. That, that if that text is used in an exclusive way, mm-hmm. right, I think we have to be very careful from the human point of view. Mm-hmm. Because God is creator mm-hmm. and God is love. So how about the people that have never heard the gospel preached? And there are millions, if not billions, that have walked this earth that have never heard the gospel preached in our key or in how we would frame the gospel because Mm -hmm. the gospel has to be framed in human terms. That's why the word became flesh. Mm -hmm. So in order, the way people tend to use that, and I and I hate to say this in a in a modern, enlightened, uh, enlightenment center Eurocentric way. They tend to use that against people who are not in, who have not been traditioned along Christian lines. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we have to be very careful about that. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think if God is light and love, we have to trust that in God's own mysterious way, He has allowed the gospel or permitted the gospel to be heard in all times and climes. And then people using their human volition can either accept it or receive it. Mm-hmm. But if we make the blanket statement that and we, and we, the point I'm trying, if we misinterpret that mm-hmm. to say, unless you know Jesus, well, there's some people that have not had the opportunity to hear Jesus because when Paul was preaching and he talked about Asia, he thought the world was limited to a very limited place. We know that the world is much broader than that. And then the question then becomes, has every human being that ever lived or is living now, have they heard the gospel preached? And I think the answer obviously is no. Why? Because I'm a member of the church and the church has gone to sleep on on preaching evangelism. We've not reached everybody in in South Dayton. I'm sure everybody in Minister Charles in, in New Jersey has not been reached. You follow what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, you know. So the point I'm trying to—we have to be very careful about becoming an exclusive, triumphant kind right. of gospel because what that does is it, that it squeezes out anything that is different from us. Mm-hmm. I think it's, if if we're loving, we ought to be able to show up anywhere. Mm-hmm. We ought to be able to show up in a gambling den, just like Jesus did among tax collectors, whether it's a KKA, and show up and say, this is the love of Jesus. Because what did Jesus do? He presented the gospel of love. Jesus, why was Jesus crucified? For one thing, I, I was sharing with a young brother today doing evangelism. Jesus, he talked to people. Why was it so easy for him to talk to people? Because as Mrs. Crawford says, a woman that is over, she's an octogenarian in our church. She says, take the love of Jesus with you. 
And we have more power by spreading love mm -hmm. than we do by telling people, if you don't accept it through my lens, mm -hmm. you're going to hell. Mm -hmm. I just think we need to do what Jesus did. Walk around and show love. And that could mean feed 5,000. It could mean cast out demons. It could mean help somebody with a scholarship. Mm -hmm. It could mean walk somebody off of drugs. But mm -hmm. I think we have to find more non-traditional, innovative ways of spreading the gospel, like doing a podcast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because without this podcast, I wouldn't have met this awesome brother here by the name of Adrian. Mm -hmm. most, of the most of the people that I need to be talking to are beyond the walls of the church. And let me just say this about COVID. I miss the church. Mm -hmm. I will in no way deprivilege, degrade, or devalue the four walls of the church. Mm -hmm. I love being among the assembly. The point I'm trying to make is this. Is the, are the followers of the church, what we are, are they our boundedness? Do they represent our boundedness or our rootedness? My argument is nothing outside of the spirit represents our boundedness, the, limit, the limitedness of our faith. Mm -hmm. But they can represent the rootedness, the ground of our faith by which we now spread out for our branches and the fruit, which will be beyond. So mm -hmm. I think that the gospel makes room for rootedness and fruitedness and not boundedness. Mm -hmm. We cannot be bound by anything except the spirit. Why? Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, be ye my witnesses, where? Beginning in Jerusalem and then Judea and then Samaria to the outermost parts of the earth. He didn't say stay home. Mm -hmm. He didn't say remain where you are. Within. You, you have a base there, but then you have to begin to go out. Final thing I would say on this point is this, that too many Christians, I believe, have a truncated understanding of what Jesus was about. Mm -hmm. What I mean is, if you read the Gospels, how many times did Jesus teach or, or perform miracles when uh, and him being indoors. Mm -hmm. Most of what Jesus did that we read in the Gospels was outdoors. What did he do? Go up there into that fish and bring out a coin, right? He turned water into wine. Where was he? At a wedding, right? Mm -hmm. he, he walked across the uh, Galilean Sea and turned the Galilean Sea into a moving sidewalk. He went on top of the sea and said, peace be still. You follow what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Look at all the, the outdoorsiness of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Not to deny the power of the temple, but look at the outdoorsiness of Jesus. The other thing is this, is that many Christians, we go to church, we become baptized, we stay in church, and then we wait to die. Yeah. But, the, but, but the point of the church is not to really get people to heaven. Let me say that again. The point of the church, I say this with all humility, sobriety, and integrity, yeah, say that again. is not to get people to heaven. Mm -hmm. The point of the church is to bring heaven down to earth. He does not need any more witnesses in heaven. He needs witnesses on earth. He said, let thy will be done where? In heaven like it's done on earth? No. He said, let thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. His word is settled in heaven. He needs us to do his will on earth. Build institutions. Spread the word. Build the kingdom of God. You, you follow what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. he, so, so therefore, we now have the power to turn the world upside down. For Jesus, not to use the church as an escape mechanism from this world. No, we have to engage the world. We have to do battle on this earth. And it's then that he will now tell us, well done, my good and faithful servant, come on home. But it's not the soldier's job, right, to go back to headquarters. The soldier, any soldier, must be on the battleground until the commanding officer says, your tour of duties is over, come on home. So until I turn into a duty, we don't need to be coming on home. You follow what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You make your heaven on earth. He says that you will have a new earth and a new heaven. And so it's very important that those of us who are in traditional enclaves understand the way you do the will of God is by bringing heaven down to earth. And of course, the rest is up to God. 
Definitely. Um, I, I had one other question, but I'm going to I'm I'm going to change the question, and I want to uh, kind of tailor it to um, the ladies. Um, Amen. Taylor, no pun intended, for Doctor Taylor. Amen. <laughs> but um, Boom, <laughs> um, we had two. We have two powerful women um, on the show today, and and we're living in the age now where women empowerment um, is being pushed. Um, equality uh, for women um, is being pushed, um, and you know I kind of wanted to get your. Uh, your views about what's going on in the world where we're trying to, you know, show the equality of women um, in, 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 in their place in the world. How do you feel about that? Um, and what do you and what would you say to the other striving women out there? Dr. Taylor. Oh, OK. I was ready to see. You. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited about the things that we women are doing right now. I mean, there is really nothing stopping us. Mm -hmm. And when you look at women such as Joyce Myers, I admire her tremendously. And Who is Joyce Myers? I'm sorry. Joyce Myers is a um, huge speaker. Okay. On, um, a pastor, I should say. She doesn't go by pastor. Okay. Um, on television. You know who Joyce Myers is, don't I you? I don't. You don't? Nope, but I, I'm going to go check her out. I'm going to pull her that's, up. That's why, I, that's why I asked you. <laughs> I don't have no problem with stopping and asking people things that I don't know because I feel like no there's no such thing as a dumb question, so I just no wanted to make sure that I... Yeah, I'm, go, I'm, I'm definitely going to listen to her. When she started, as I read her, so when she started preaching, um, she was told women should not be preachers. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you look at the people that follow her, it puts another level to women should not be preaching because she has a lot of people that tune into her daily. Mm -hmm. She have different shows. And I brought her up to say that she faced those, those obstacles. Those were against, you know, women shouldn't be preaching. And she didn't stop because she know that she leave her focus on God and do what God want her to do. Doors will open for her. Because mm -hmm. one of the questions that's raised oftentimes is, where does it say in the Bible, women shouldn't be preachers? And the thing about it is, just to, just to answer your question, it never mm -hmm. says that. And I think they take, it was a, a Bible verse in Corinthians, I believe, but they were talking about uh, something like that in um, I think people take things out of context um, in the they Bible. They phrase the Bible however yes, they want to exactly. depend on, you know, what mood you're in or mm -hmm. what Bible you're reading or who you believe in. You mm -hmm. phrase it however you want. But she went that route with her. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things that I tell people all the time I love is um, tennis. Tennis is my favorite sport. Okay. Amen. And when I look at the women... And uh, the things that they were facing, because they are still fighting to get paid the way the men are getting paid. Mm -hmm. And though the Williams sisters, which a lot of people heard of and love, they don't get paid as well as the top players do. Wow. But they don't, they, they, that doesn't stop them from enjoying the sport. Exactly. They keep pushing their way through it because they know that they're doing something that they love. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that could stop them is them. So when you mm. look at, and I'm going to stop at those two examples. When you look at those women, a lot of people know the Williams sisters and admire them, respect them, yes. idolize them. Mm -hmm. Just like a lot of women, a lot of people idolize Joyce Myers. Mm -hmm. So what they're doing now is they're setting, they have set the bar for a lot of women like myself. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not going to be a preacher. Mm -hmm. No. And I'm not going to be a tennis player. Mm -hmm. I'm not 
old enough to be a tennis player, and I'm sticking to that. <laughs> I am sticking to that. But what they have done is they have showed us that women are capable of doing enormous things. Mm. You just have to, when the obstacles come, push them aside, overlook them, face them head on. The reason why I love tennis so much and tennis empowers me watching the game I, I love the singles game. I don't like the doubles. I watch singles on <laughs> because you will see that they're losing. And what they do is they dig deep inside. Mm-hmm. And as they dig deep inside themselves, then they were losing, but now they're winning. Mm-hmm. And that's where I get my motivation from, my encouragement from. And as a woman, as a, a woman, when I even when I came here, my my English was good, but I still had that thick accent. Mm-hmm. So I had that that was hindering me. People were like, okay, what did you say? What did you say? But I keep pushing, you know, and I kept going. Mm-hmm. So then when I look at put my life next to the tennis player, I'm like, okay, they, overcome, they overcame some obstacles. I overcame some. But what is to stop me from being the person that I want to be? Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It, it, I can't say it's because I'm a woman because I just mentioned two women, three women actually, who have faced adversities, but they overcame that and become who they're meant to become, and they are well-known. So there's nothing stopping women from becoming who they want to become. We just have to believe in ourselves, and when we feel like we're losing, dig deep inside. And the, 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 what wraps that package together is Jesus Christ, <laughs> because he will do everything that we can do. I'm, I'm, I'm not a, a, a person who is afraid to speak about the things that he have done. Mm-hmm. Like my book said, his strength and my weakness. Mm-hmm. I can be the woman that I'm meant to become through him. He will use me to be that woman, but without him, because of the work that I choose to do, mm-hmm. I won't be able to get there. Mm-hmm. because I need to lean on him. I need his strength to get me there. And that also empowers me to know that I can do the work that he wants me to do. I can help somebody to overcome um, single parenting, some financial problems that they have, because I'm very good at finances, and overcome you know, what it takes to just be... Th- Feeling like the outcast, feeling unloved, feeling unwanted. You know, those feelings that keep you trapped inside. Mm-hmm. And that's where I feel that me as a woman mm-hmm. could mm-hmm. relate to other women and help to empower them so that they could tap into that God-given purpose that they have. Because all of us have a purpose. Mm-hmm. But some of us don't get to fulfill that purpose because, one, we might not know what it is because we're not listening. And, two, we're just scared. And sometimes it might be so much like, why should I be the game changer? Why not be mm, the game why changer? Not? Why not? Why, why not? not? That's real. I know I'm the game changer in my family. Mm-hmm. I know. I, I mean, I've broken down so many different rules and barriers. And been, why not be the game changer? And while I'm changing the, 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 the game, mm-hmm. why not try to bring someone else along so they can be a game changer? Definitely. Women have, we have this some people call it intuition that we get from God and because of the compassion mm-hmm. and our 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 strength to just keep going. Some of the strongest people on earth are single women. Did you know that single mothers? Yes. Some they, of the strongest people on earth are single mothers. Definitely. I want to give a shout out to all single mothers mm-hmm. because when you really think about the stuff that we have to overcome, mm-hmm. then we were like, hmm, 
who, who, who else can do what we just did but a single mother? No, no, no yeah. pun intended right here. But it's true. So when we look at what God have already instilled in us, mm-hmm. all we need to do now is just give back to others and bring them along. Mm-hmm. And then we're not just changing the game for one game. We change the game for others. So though we are losing in that match, we dig deep inside and then we pass it along. And that's Definitely. what I would like to do. I have dug deep inside and bring a lot of stuff up, and I just want to pass it along to others. Mm-hmm. I'm not ashamed of who I am anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm not ashamed of all the stuff I've gone through anymore. Mm-hmm. I just want to help others and empower them so we women could be all we're meant to be. <laughs> okay, I'm done. All right. Your turn, Bridget. Okay, that's a hard act to follow. <laughs> However, I'd like to just attack this from another angle. Good. The, um, the route that Jesus took. You know, let's face it. Back in those days, uh, women were socialized to just be homemakers. The, the man was the one who had to go out and work to support his family. Women were traditionally supposed to stay at home and take care of the children. When Jesus came, he turned all of that upside down. Jesus was entertaining uh, the fact that women could be a part of his ministry. Hmm. Jesus was, uh, he, uh, you know, Mary Magdalene, for example. Jesus, uh, you know, Joanna is one that I admire a lot. Who Her husband, Chusa, was the, um, I think he was the purser for, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, uh, is it the Pharaoh or, or Herod, one of those uh, powerful guys? And she had to give up everything to actualize her faith in God. She went and she, you know, she followed Jesus. Mm-hmm. She gave up all, you know, she gave up all the riches and everything. Um, we have Susanna. We have Lydia. We have mm-hmm. so many women who, uh, you know, they were there to support Jesus and to spread the word. They were teachers. And so. Um, Amen. That's powerful. You know, the, the, powerful. Yeah. Yes. This, Jesus came to just turn things, you know, he said, he said, everybody thinks I'm just here for peace and whatever, but I'm here to turn things upside down, mm-hmm. you know, because you know what, I'm not here to just pat you on the head and say, oh, good, good person. You're, you're just going to the temple and you're, you're offering your public prayers and that's okay. No, that's not what he was all about. Mm-hmm. He was all about love. He was all about showing, you know, showing uh, God's love through your life. Be an example. We're told that the most powerful uh, message is not preached from the pulpit. It is preached by your life. And so these women, uh, look, look at this. Jesus was not afraid to touch the, the women who other people in, in society were shunning. Mm-hmm. Look at him with this woman, this woman at the well. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, he wasn't supposed to be alone with her. He wasn't supposed to even talk to her. But he talked to her. He counseled her. And he helped her to then go out and help others. Mm-hmm. Um, how about the one, the, the woman who uh, everyone was condemning and, and ready, to, getting ready to stone her to death? Definitely. Jesus intervened, and, and because of him now, again, the kingdom, kingdom building was done. Mm-hmm. And so I, I bet that woman with the issue of blood as well, I bet she went back and she told everybody about it. So mm-hmm. women have traditionally, again, been socialized to be these frail little uh, flowers who just stay at home and wilt. But when Jesus came and he turned things around, he empowered us. And it is up to us now to take on that mantle and to keep doing what we know we're supposed to do, which is to be about God's work here on earth. Yes. Yes. Amen. 
Thank you, Thank sister, you. for that. I know you have my back for the stuff that I forgot. <laughs> the heroic power <laughs> of the black of, of black women. Yes, it's all yes. it, it pervades their their writings as well. So please make sure you pick up a book, beloved. Yes, uh, you can find those books at uh, www.hisstrengththebook.com, uh, and then or you can go on www. Uh, their what is it? The Ripe the, Awakening. TheRipeAwakening.com. Again, these links will be attached to the show. Um, please go and uh, check the books out. I believe that for the people that uh, were viewing today and are listening to this podcast or, or go to buy after the podcast, um, the His Strength and My Weakness book is fourteen ninety nine. dollars um, uh, Miss Bridget uh, Charles' book, uh, No Regrets. Um, is seventeen ninety nine, and uh, Pastor Takumbo Adelakon's book, which was the what was it again? The, the, arts, the, of the, the arts of Joseph, um, is at fourteen ninety nine. So please go ahead, get these books. Um, definitely is something that will help us overcome any trials, tribulations that we're um, having in our life. Um, these could be essential to overcoming those as well. Um, any uh, closing remarks from anyone? Before we go, can we mention the upcoming virtual tour? Yes, go ahead. Amen. Yes. December 4th, we're going to be having um, a virtual tour, uh, sorry, a virtual conference. It's at 7, Daylight Savings Time. You could purchase your, your I'm sorry, you could register. Registration is for you could register on The Ripe Awakening. That's T-H-E-R-I-P-E. A W A K E N I N G dot com. Register. It, registration is open. Please go on and register. You could also purchase our book on that website. All three books are available. The three authors will appear. It will be a motivational conference. We'll be there speaking about um, our books and we'll be trying to motivate others. Not trying. We will be motivating others through our story mm -hmm. and anything else that we need to do to get other people moving up and going. Um, so please get on the website www.theripeawakening.com and register. Pastor. And just to reiterate the date, it is December 4th. It is the week following Thanksgiving, December 4th, and it's 7 p.m. in the evening. Love to have yeah. you bring a friend, come and be blessed, and set the stage for awesome Yuletide season. God yep. bless you. Bridget? All right. So I just, I just want to, uh, you know, agree with everything that you both just said but i just like to um encourage my readers to never give up amen um, no matter the circumstances i want you to know that there's always a way to rise above your challenges and that struggles come to make you strong yes and remember whenever you feel most alone that's when god is with you because remember the teacher is always silent during the test Amen. Amen. Oh, my preach. God. Yes, yes. Preach. I love it. 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 Thank you. And we all have been there where we had to be quiet. Yes. Thank you for that. What you got, Adrian? You know, you know what I always say? Everybody be well, man. Amen. Be well. Do good. Thank you. All right. Yes. Um, I do want to thank all of the viewers out there uh, for tuning in to the show today. Um, your viewership is much appreciated. Um, I want to thank the three guests for giving me the opportunity um, to have them on the show and to hear uh, wisdom uh, from from each from very different of levels and backgrounds um, and allowing uh, me to also have a copy of these books for myself um, that I'll go ahead and, uh, and read and share with my family. 
Um, so we are grateful to you, my brother. We are grateful yes. for the space. Thank you for having us. For the Thank solidarity, you. for the soulfulness. Mm -hmm. Brother Adrian, we're grateful for you. May yeah. your work have no bounds. May it be grounded and rooted in the love of the Lord. Yeah. Yes. And may the Lord take you from strength to strength and from glory to glory. What an yes. awesome premiere experience. God bless you, yes. sir. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and with that, y'all, we out. Appreciate y'all for viewing in. Locker Room with Shep. Thank you. Right. Thank you, Adrian. No this problem, was bro. awesome. I had a good time. I look so like I had this. I was going I didn't want to interrupt, but I had this story, right? No, 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 no. Ain't that crazy? But no, you should have said it. No, 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 no. We good. But it was it was towards the end. I knew we was pushing the clock. So but I I was in uh I young played out. So look, I was in church one time, right? I had a pastor named Pastor Biden. So it was Mrs. Pastor Biden. I think before I started going there, her husband passed, so she took over the church. And it was the wildest day of church I ever. I don't, they like, like you were saying, like people didn't feel like they should have women pastors. Oh, yeah, like they came out and they had the whole, like, they brought it out like in the middle of church. I, I, had, I didn't know really, under, I probably was about 12. I fully didn't understand.